what, why, and how of what has undoubtedly changed. John T. Hoffman, United States Army retired, uh, senior research fellow at Food and Protection and Defense Institute. I didn't even know we had one of those, by the way. University of Minnesota. Colonel Hoffman is a senior research fellow with the Food Protection and Defense Institute, a U.S. Department of Homeland Security uh, Center of Excellence at University of Minnesota. Colonel Hoffman has extensive experience in developing, operating, hardening, and sustaining extensive cyber systems. With the recent growth in cyber attacks targeting our nation's critical infrastructures, including the food and agriculture attacks and the reduction of vulnerability to such attacks. Prior to joining FPDI, Colonel Hoffman served as an advisor to the U.S. Department of Justice and as a post-9-11 appointee with the United the States Department of Homeland Security. Has he previously served in the United States Army and military law enforcement intelligence and anti-terrorism roles. Also, please welcome Mr. Charles Rixey. Uh, United States Marine Corps, WMD, SME, and Open Source Intelligence Analyst for DRASTIC, D-R-A-S-T-I-C, a global group of 20 scientists and researchers who have investigated the origins or who are investigating the origins of the COVID-19. His substack can be found at prometheusshrugged.substack.com. Also, some of you recognize the beautiful face up here on our panel, Texas Lindsay. She um, hosts remarkable spaces. Uh, if you're not following any of these folks, please do so. Uh, Lindsay is a communication strategist with a focus on medical whistleblowers. She's also serving the industries of science and technology. Her literary work can be found at texaslindsay.substack.com. Please also give my regular co-host, Tenfold Tricorn, a follow. Um, also in speaker position somewhere in here, I believe, I think I just heard him come up, is Christopher Marino, who is also one of my regular uh, co-hosts. And uh, without further ado, Dr. Huff, thank you so much for asking me to partner with you on this. I'm very excited. Um, yeah, it, the, the floor is yours, sir. Well, thank you so much for, for helping me host this and set this up. You know, my, my main goal here is to really help everyone understand how we got to this point today. I think, you know, with the world waking up to what, what happened, everyone sensing that there's, there's more to this lab leak, it was all by design. And that's really sort of the, the, the point that I want, want people to make is that we actually created a whole infrastructure and system to play out exactly like it did. So unfortunately, Colonel Hoffman is having technical dif difficulties. Colonel Hoffman was my mentor, actually, at the Food Protection and Defense Institute, and he introduced me to many of the, the leaders, the technocrats and bureaucrats across government agencies. So um, Charles and I, I guess we're going to have to, to be, uh, as they say in the Marine Corps, uh, Semper Gumby, always flexible, and execute in, in the military, we used to call it a fragmentation order, and I guess it will be the Andrew and Charles show until uh, Colonel Hoffman can get his uh, Twitter space working. So without further ado, uh, Charles, do you want to say hi? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I mean, I was already introduced, but I, I guess I, I kind of want to point out that uh, Andrew comes from a more of a science background or scientific perspective Mine dealt with WMD from a uh, more on the front lines perspective. And so I, in a normal context, he would have been the technical reachback. He would have been the scientists 
that we would have been calling for expertise if we came across something that we didn't know or an unusual circumstance. And I've all I've tried to do is kind of carry that with me as I just on my own independently started investigating the origin and then met up with a group of people. And since almost everybody that I work with all the time are scientists, I, I, I try very hard to to try to bridge the gap. So hopefully today I can do that. Um, I, I Sometimes it can be really technical, but uh, I try to wear two hats at the same time. So I'll, well, I'll be there. Charles, don't sell yourself short, short. I think you're brilliant. And I think we a good way to start off this conversation is, so what happens after 9-11 in terms of uh, bio-warfare, bioterrorism? And can you ex explain the relationship between that and, and what WMD is and maybe what uh, WMD is to the, the audience? Uh, well, um, WMD is just simply weapons of mass destruction. Um, the <clears throat> Ever since the 1960s, the United States does not um, maintain a stockpile of offensive biological or chemical weapons, and we only keep nuclear weapons as a last resort. Um, so all of the biological research that we do is officially biodefense or biodefensive in nature, as opposed to offensive, and the difference being that the intent of the person who is doing the research, really, <clears throat> that's what they don't want you to say, but it's true, because in order to to protect yourself, to learn how to protect yourself against something in, in a real-world environment, you have to have that agent or something very close to it. So, um, and they've kind of danced a very, very fine line, but September 11th, really kind of changed that. I mean, actually, there was things that happened before September 11th as well, but but after September 11th, the, the, the nation was kind of in shock, and then immediately after that, there were the anthrax attacks, and those, those served as a way to, a very good motivator to basically raise funding in those areas, and the the real mistake I think that was made was was that the next year they decided to instead of keeping it all in the military, they reached out to the National Institutes of Health to Anthony Fauci in particular, particular, and he became like a civilian counterpart working with our biodefense. Um, system and after that um well the things went downhill fast because as we've learned time and again one thing you really shouldn't do is mix um uh, politics with defense any more than you absolutely have to and uh it's, well i think we see the result that was, that was really the genesis of everything that's happened now it, it's more complicated but um basically if in order to have a reason to justify our existence, uh, it, it kind of creates this atmosphere where it's unhealthy. 
And oh, um, absolutely. absolutely. That's really that's really a big problem. So, so Colonel Hoffman, are you are you there? Yes, I'm here. Great. Well, so I, how much of uh, charge uh, Charles' response did you catch? No, I got it all. I was uh, I was able to listen. I would I would point out that uh, this actually goes back further. <clears throat> What's interesting is that in the early '90s we determined that the Russians, while they had signed the bio treaty and bioweapons treaty, they had not adhered to it. In fact, they continued their research uh, into bio offensive bioweapons <clears throat> all through um, through the 80s uh, and even were continuing it in the 90s, including some pretty ugly uh, you know, viruses like smallpox and other things. And uh, that also gave rise to great concern in the WMD world about being prepared for bio. Um, that was one of the major drivers behind uh, DOD investing so much in the civil support teams at the state level to be able to provide detection just for and, chemicals. And for the audience, what, what year, what year time frame are you referring to? Well, the the um, civil defense, the, the civil support teams that were created between the active army and uh, active military and the and the and the National Guard was actually in the '90s that that was created. They were originally called raid teams, and they didn't like that name, so they changed it over to uh, um, civil support teams. But the discovery of the Russians uh, failing to comply happened at the beginning of the 90s. And once it was realized that that, you know, that capability was still being developed by a potential adversary, even though at that point in time we were cooperating with the Russians, the Soviet Union had Think fallen, Nick um, might disagree with this gentleman. It was a pretty strong signal that we needed to have better okay. preparation, better preparedness, both from the standpoint of detection but also the ability to continue to fight in a bio environment and be able to uh, respond to any kind of major bio event. That's really good. So what kind of things then do, you, do does a military or a population re require to fight a biological warfare or respond to a bioterrorism event? So what are the things that the government would want uh, to, to be in a, have good defense posture? Well, you got to be able to detect it first. And part of our problem is we had not deployed sufficient capability. Some of you may remember uh, back in the very beginnings of Nunn-Luger uh, Nun and then uh, PDD-63 when we had threatened um, bio kind of events, um, the best thing that the military could provide to the civilian community at that time was a thing called Smart Ticket, which basically would, would tell you that there was an organism, but it didn't tell you whether it was a good, good organism or a bad organism. And police and fire were out responding to, you know, uh, letters with powders in them with Smart Ticket. And because it might be cayenne pepper, that uh, that's a, you know, a, a biological organism, it would give them a positive reading and everybody would react like it was uh, an actual threat. So realize this wasn't going to cut it. We needed better better capability. We needed things that could be deployed to the field. Well, how are you going to do that? So that's where they came up with the idea of putting the civil support teams together and equipping them with uh, sophisticated biodetection, not just chem detection, but biodetection in the field, including PCR, um, you know, type detection laboratory capability right in the field. So if some event happened, you could go out right away and begin to detect it. And we also began looking at uh, projects like BioWatch, which was to put uh, passive detectors. Uh, basically, what they were doing is, is collect air samples. Air samples would be policed up on some regular schedule from these detectors, and then it would go to the lab to see if there was any indication of something happening or a presence of anything. 
So there were a lot of approaches being taken on the detection side. Well, at the same time, if you did have a deployment, if you did detect that somebody had done something, how are you going to protect people? And that's when they started looking into the you know, different ways um, to develop very, very uh, rapid you know, involvement ev of a vaccine that could counter it as quickly as possible. Um, whereas vaccines in the past have taken months to years to build, they wanted something that could be developed within weeks to months. So you had the ability to uh, to protect a population or protect a fighting force in the field. Um, from so a I'll hop in there real quick, real quick, because you're covering a lot of stuff. So uh, take a couple steps steps back. So can you explain to everyone what the Nun Luger Act is and why that's so important to biosecurity and bioterror? Well, basically, it created funding to begin to put together so Dr. programs. Hoffer, you're kind of you're excuse me, hold, hold on one second, you guys. <clears throat> you you guys are both kind of doing the same thing, and then it's 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 just a Twitter space wonkiness glitch so let's uh dr huff if you don't mind posing that question again because you were equally as uh hard to decipher thank you oh okay um so, hey uh roll with punches so J john my question to you was can you please explain the nun luger act and the importance that had the act has to biosecurity bioterror and, and pandemics the Nunn-Luger de Medici Act basically was the first time to recognize that we had a national risk from uh, WMD, and bio being a significant part of that risk, and funding needed to be made available to begin to put together capabilities for both detection as well as countermeasures. And this covered kind of the gamut of, of things. And so you had fire departments beginning to have funds to train on bio events, on chem events, on explosion, you know, explosive events, IEDs, those kinds of things. Um, and then you also had uh, ramped up nuclear training. Now we had a good core on nuclear training already because of, you know, the, the training we did around nuclear power plants for local communities. So they built on that. So that was a little more mature, but the others were not. So this meant that fire departments, police departments, uh, and the National Guard at the local level and, and the active component, if it's called a support, would need to have better equipment, better training. And this also meant we needed new research implemented to begin to look at ways that you could counter something if it actually happened. So then this leads to, to the next question. So what kind of medical, what are medical countermeasures? And can you explain the different types of products or vaccines or drugs which might comprise medical countermeasures and how they would be used from a national defense or homeland security perspective and let's give it to charles first and first and see what he thinks uh well in the marine corps it's a little bit different um we didn't have as many things available to us um as far as medical countermeasures in my world, you'd be talking about specifically in regards against uh, chemical agents. So if someone uh, was poisoned by sarin or VX nerve agent, then we would have a... Oh. Uh, there you go, folks. It ended. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what they did there. Um, better tell them.
I'm not sure what's going on. It's it's their end, not mine. Um, let's see. Yo, dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The yeah, space you're, just you're right. ended. It just, it's it's toast. I have no idea what happened. Yeah, I guess it was. Uh, whoever was wow. hosting it just uh, just pulled the plug on it. I, I guess that's what it was, unless it was something uh, higher it up. It is toasters gone. Yeah, it's it is like everybody was just kicked out. Mm. That's um, crazy. <laughs> Can you? Are you getting any feedback from them? Well, I mean, I, he, I was still talking when you, when yeah. you were texting me. Yeah, uh, it must have happened like, it wow! Was, it was just instant, bro. So, holy shit! Mm. Can you get hold of Andrew? Um, I'm I'm trying to see what just happened. Uh, okay, that is weird. I've never seen that happen before. No. I mean, there's two options, right? The host either hit the end button um, prematurely yeah. or... Or... <laughs> uh, well, holy shit. I mean, yeah, I, I, don't, you weren't, I don't see it yet. You weren't... Um, um, we weren't even covering anything crazy. No, no. I mean, it was pretty um, standard fare up to that point, so... Um, yeah, maybe. like, if, if they can't handle that... Right. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe just the title was enough to <coughs> trigger a trigger a response, but um, wow, that is crazy. Mm. Okay, I just got an invite. You did? Yeah. Okay. Let's see if this turns back on. Okay, are we back? Okay, so for those of you who are, for those of you, can you all hear me? Yes. Y yes, we can. Okay, excellent. Thank you. Yeah, give me one second to locate our co-host. Wow. <laughs> to those of you who are new to the to the Twitter sphere, <laughs> this is what happens. <laughs> well, probably. I mean, it's me, and it's our topic. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, we haven't even started talking yet. I know. Well, boy. Okay, good. That's exciting. See, this is good. Okay, you guys, tweet, tweet, tweet. It's time to retweet the space. Um, thank you all for popping back over here. All right, so do we just totally lose Andrew? <laughs> so all of a sudden, all I heard was Mr. Roboto, and you guys are having this great conversation. <laughs> I'm literally interrupting you. I'm so sorry, but I couldn't hear you. Um, okay, if we see... Uh, Lindsay, do you mind? There he is. <laughs> do you mind rounding up our host? Oh, good stuff. Okay. Oh, uh, and so Ten is frozen. All right, let me remove him. You guys, this is so. Th this may just be our reality for this space. If it happens, you know, we just we just roll back through here um, because sometimes this happens. And yes, people have been known to mess with Twitter Spaces. Um, Andrew, I sent you a co-host. 
and let me invite uh, Tan another time to co-host. All right, we're just waiting for our co-host to come back up. It's just glitchy. It's okay. You guys are doing a great job, by the way. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Um, it looks like Andrew's having a hard time. Okay, cool. There we go. Hey, I think I'm back. You're back. Okay, excellent. And I'm trying to, all right, Ten will be back in whenever he can. And I have no idea where you guys, you gentlemen left off because I got put in timeout. <laughs> so let's just pick up right where we left off. Oh, man. Um, well, I guess we were basically at the point where uh, the, the medical countermeasures uh, mean one thing to the military and they mean something different in a civilian context when responding to an emergency. And so, um, and, I, well, I think it's part of the problem with, with this technology, but, but really, so what we have to understand is, is that what they wanted was to create a, an ability to respond to something in an emergency in a far more rapid time than you would normally have um, and w to try to prevent something from spreading or to mitigate the damage as quickly as possible. Um, but I think as you'll see that in pretty much every way that it could go wrong, uh, this has gone wrong um, and not necessarily by accident. So. Okay, so I think to, to help to continue this on, so with traditional vaccines or other drugs, how long does it take to typically manufacture those drugs? How long does it take to, to bring a new product to market? And, and what unique problem does that cause the national security community and the Department of Defense when responding to an event or actually trying to either, either respond or prepare? Well, I mean, it, it, normally it takes 10 to 15 years um, and it's been getting progressively longer <clears throat> until the last few years. And obviously, when when you're trying to solve a, a, a new problem with a novel virus, it's not going to work. But to be honest, this this is something that all the military has across the different facets because the development time for new technologies is it was lagging far behind before we've entered this even further exponentially advancing technology period that we are. So uh, I I know that I was a big focus just before I left the Marine Corps, um, trying to focus on exp exponentially, being able to manage those exponential growth phases. And it, that was a struggle. So this is just another example of it. So, John, I think this is a good time for you to jump in. Can you tell everyone just real, real briefly um, about your how you came to work with the Department of Homeland Security after 9/11? Sure, I um, I spent a good deal of time uh, um, both on active duty and in the guard working in this space for uh, WMD and anti-terrorism. Um, in the 80s, I worked primarily or began working primarily in anti-terrorism function. Um, working both in Europe and in the United States. And then um, that actually led to a situation where I became involved in kind of investigating and then figuring out how we harden 
the supply chains for the U.S. military food system in Europe, the commissaries that feed both the families and the troops. When uh, Beider Meinhof, which was a um, Soviet-backed uh, yeah, terrorist actor in Germany, targeted the commissary in Frankfurt at a big military base. Um, and this proved to be a bigger challenge than most people would think because while most of our uh, shelf-stable food came from the United States, most of our fresh products and dairy products, meat, vegetables, those kinds of things, were all host nation or they were sourced somewhere in NATO. And these supply chains were not secure. And they were fairly easy to uh, interdict or contaminate a food product. So this became a major area of concern for the military on how we harden those supply chains um, and how we protect them. And that led to writing new doctrine, if you will, uh, new military doctrine on uh, how you protect things in what's called a right, I'm going to see if I can get rolled in so zone, Charles can pull out um, in a military theater. Um, a lot of that got recorded and, you know, documented in different places. Uh, and move ahead, 9-11 occurs and... Uh, I get a call from Washington, D.C. I had retired from the military. Um, there was a fellow at the FBI and said, uh, we're looking for the John Hoffman whose name is on these uh, defense threat reduction documents as it relates to hardening so food supply chains. And, of course, that was me. So that led to me going up there to meet with them, give them some briefings, and then ultimately led to me being asked to come work uh, shortly after 9-11 at the Bureau to advise uh, justice on how to do some of this and you know, how we might harden these supply chains. And then that led to me being, being moved over and becoming an appointee in Homeland Security. So um, that's kind of how it came to be. But my, you know, my background kind of crosses over these kinds of supply chains and all the things related to how they function and what they do and the threats that may, uh, may come to those things. Um, but I did spend quite a bit of time also working in the WMD area and working on the civil support team project um, as it was being built up. And uh, that was a very interesting period, by the way, when all of a sudden there were funds to do things we'd never been able to get money to address. Um, I remember when I was first in the military police back in the late 60s, early 70s, as a young lieutenant, um, there were all these you know, threats we anticipated happening. There were things happening in the United States. You know, We had the weatherman and other people threatening to do terrible things. Um, and we didn't have the tools. We didn't have the detection capability. We didn't have the countermeasures. You know, we were literally unprepared for biowarfare on the domestic level. Um, so when all this began to mature, it was kind of gratifying to see finally money was being put into figuring out how we're actually going to do those and then investing in it. So you started participating in a number of high-level meetings all across the government. I mean, I've heard the stories from you where you're basically camped out at the White House um, every other night of the week. And, you know, this was this was pretty incredible for me and my personal story and, and me getting to know you over the years, and you've taught me so much. When, when was the first time that you heard about mRNA in either through Health and Human Services or De De Department of Defense or National Security Circles? Uh, actually, in the 90s. Um... Ditra, um, Fort Dietrich, and others were looking at what we would do. You know, what would be the doctor and I would we deal with it? And, you, you know, this idea that it would take five or six years to develop a vaccine was unacceptable. So um, the various research agencies within DOD began looking at alternatives. And a DNA approach was already understood in the 90s as a faster way to develop uh, a human body uh, human human body to have an antibody reaction 
to be able to build up antibodies against, uh, you know, an invading organism like what we've seen. Not necessarily at that time when we were looking at at a virus like this, but we were looking at smallpox. We were looking, I say we, the DOD was looking at smallpox and looking at other kinds of viruses because viruses were seen as one of the, uh, you know, ideal weapons to be used because you couldn't use traditional antibiotics. You had to have something that was specific to that virus if you were going to um, deal with it and try to contain it and develop immunity, protect people, or having the ability if somebody was contaminated or exposed to it to have something you could give them right away that would uh, ameliorate the effect of the virus and, and limit what it was actually able to do to you, minimize the level of infection and, and the amount of damage that it did in your system. So that's when they started looking at this approach. So you know, this is something that had been um, maturing for quite a period of time as they looked at different ways to do this. And, you know, this this was uh, also looked at during anthrax and the scares, you know, how could you deal with that? What what kind of vaccine would we need? So it, it has been around for, you know, it's been in the research world for a while. Went from theoretical to, you know, application to some testing. Um, so it was, it was there. Um, and I think SARS actually, the first SARS event, uh, one of our that occurred when I was in DC. So when that happened, um, Chinese were caught by surprise. They were much more open, much more uh, collaborative in sharing, which which suggests that it was a complete surprise for them and, and put a lot of fear into the biomedical world over there, as you can imagine. Uh, but it gave us a clue also as to the kinds of emerging things that were out there. Uh, particularly if they come from nature and then, you know, if there's any chance somebody could manipulate it. And, you know, there's been great fear of manipulation of these organisms ever since uh, the early 90s when, you know, the first indications that gain of function could actually be done or recognized. So when was the first time that you heard, or, or maybe let me rephrase the question, <clears throat> did you ever hear mRNA come up in any of the health and human services uh, meetings or was it purely through uh, defense and security? I think I, I don't think I heard um, that term outside of DOD or that kind of environment um, till, till much later. I think mRNA, I saw a paper in mRNA as a potential approach to rapid vaccine production, probably after I left DC um, and became a senior research fellow. I think that's when I first saw a paper on that. Now that doesn't mean that's the beginning of it, but that's when I first became aware of it. Yeah, and, and actually I became aware of mRNA through you and a few other scientists that we used to work with. I wanna say in, in 2012, probably shortly after we first started working together. and. You know, oh yeah, we we knew about it. I'm just saying, outside of DoD, the first time I saw something, you know, up to that time it was it was DoD, and it wasn't all necessarily classified. There, you know, there was some outreach from uh, from Dietrich out to several universities. I think you know, a number of universities actually were involved in doing some of the preliminary research on this. And what you know, what did they know about mRNA when it, when they were first doing this research? I shouldn't say first doing the research, but when they're doing the research on mRNA, maybe two thousand five through two thousand fifteen, what were some of the key characteristics or things that, that we had learned about using it as either uh, well, using it as a medical count, countermeasure for pandemics or bioterror, biowarfare? Well, I think the, the most important thing was the fact that you could 
fairly rapidly develop um, an, an adapted uh, mRNA vaccine that could have the desired effect. Now, I think that, you know, at that point in time, it was, it was assumed that there would have to be lengthy testing on not only how effective it actually is and is it a persistent effect or is it a temporary effect? And of course, then what are the long-term issues? And Charles, did you ever come across mRNA while you were in the Marine Corps? Um, not, not in my day-to-day -day life. Uh, I did, I did teach at the schoolhouse, and I, I rewrote the curriculum. And I even taught Army warrant officers for a while. Um, but w when I went back to Quantico for my last tour, and I was involved in some of the Singularity University, just forward-looking things that they were doing. It, it it was one of the things that they discussed, but at the time, and this is something that that I remember even afterwards, and because the next year I, I I went into my MBA program, and in that in 2018 and 2019, Moderna was the butt of a bunch of jokes because they they had not produced a successful anything that billions were still being thrown at them and part of the problem was that they were still trying to get over the hurdles associated with getting the right uh, lipid nanoparticle um, because they by themselves could be antigenic and making stable RNA and making a, a, qual a, a high volume of high quality uh, mRNA and so they were still trying to figure all these things out. And I, I mean, from my perspective, I, I, I don't think they did figure it out. I, I think they were, they had something that they were five or 10 years away from, from really being ready to utilize and have tested and prepared whenever the pandemic started and they went with this one. But this was not, this was not something that in 2018, or even 2016, or if you read or listened to Ralph Barrick or some of these other scientists and Barney Graham, they didn't think that it was going to be ready in 2020. So take that for what it's worth. Yeah, I think I think it's John again. I think that uh, it was a very immature science. There were lots of issues around it. But it was seen as the optimum path to go, which is why they put a lot of money into it. But I think it, I think what you really need to begin to talk about. If, if we can, is some of the origins of, you know, of, of SARS-CoV-2 and, and what oh, yes. happened because uh, because that's what began to drive things. You know, was the was the presence of this and oh yes, you know that's that's a fascinating area to look at right now. <laughs> well, and I think we're we're getting there. So, what what does any of this have to do with gain of function? Uh, Charles, you want to take a stab at that? I mean, I've, I've obviously have my own opinions, but I, I don't want to hog the conversation. Well. Um... I do want to point out that uh, uh, Dr. McCarran, uh, who's an expert in uh, prionopathies and amyloid disorders in the brain, he's in the audience, and he may at some point be able to come up here and throw some stuff down. He's quite knowledgeable when it comes to incapacitating agents. Um, but um, gain of function... <laughs> Gain of function is is basically 
the genesis of this virus. Anyway, we can, that's kind of putting the car before the horse, but what you need to understand is that if, in order, as we started this space, what we talked about was that um, when you have a threat, you want to make a, a counter to that threat. But at the same time, you also need to understand that threat to counter it. And so it's understood that when you're developing new defensive technologies, you have to have something that you can employ as as a means of testing, okay, well, is this mask going to work? Is this a therapeutic going to work? And so in the process of doing that, it, I mean, we can... <laughs> We can go a lot of different directions with this, but the bottom line is, is that they were doing these experiments, and it wasn't until 2011 and 2012, when two different groups of scientists um, had conducted experiments where they basically had ferrets and they had H5N1, which is 60% lethal if it crosses over to humans as a as a flu virus but it's not pandemic, it, it can't spread between humans effectively. And what they did was they passaged it between ferrets until it gained a furin cleavage site and could, or at least in one of the cases, and in both cases, it could transfer easily between them. So basically they took, and ferrets are a model that are used because their lungs are very close to human lungs. So in other words, two different groups in Minnesota and the Netherlands we're about to publish papers, and the only reason this came up in the, in the news, or the reason why it was shocking, was because people heard about it, and because the question was asked, should we allow these papers to be published? But before that, there had been nothing. <laughs> and so, imagine if you're like global scientist, and you, and you hear that these viruses have already been created, and nobody was was tracking that, and, and that really that started the process. That along with some mishaps, really led to the the gain of function pause in 2014. So, yeah, this is a classic case of just because we can doesn't mean we should. Absolutely, and and that's what led to what was supposed to become a, a pause, but as it turns out, it wasn't. Um, but you know that that really raised, uh, when that when that first came out, that raised a lot of concern because we knew, for example, the Russian lab was still functioning and we knew China was working on, you know, had, was still considered biowarfare a viable option. Um, and of course, they're in the process of building, you know, the Wuhan facility. Um, they did reach out to the kind of global community and say, we should do this together. But I think the naivete on the part of most countries, including ours, was the dual-use program in China. There's nothing in China in a commercial or civilian world that's not also part of the military, and everything has a dual use. So having, you know, building that lab, um, you know, created an environment where there would be the potential for the military to leverage whatever was learned there. That may have also been a driver for some of the things that they did to find out what the, you know, what could be done. And if it could be done 
you know, what would you do with it? Once again, this is probably a lesson the Chinese have learned hard. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, but early on in this, when, when we started tracking that something was wrong, by the way, it was in the fall of 2019. Um, and at that point in time, we were beginning to hear through a number of different channels that something was happening over there. Um, and that this was not something that broke in December. It broke much earlier than that. Um, John, and can, can the you, Chinese can you were scrambling. <clears throat> just to jump in real quick, can you, can you just say that real concisely so that the audience can understand that? Because that is a very critical component, which demonstrates how our government wasn't being an honest actor in this situation <laughs> well or or was it naivete but basically there were problems in that lab from the get-go and in fact in 2018 um as they were beginning to do experiments on um new samples of SARS-like viruses that had been found in bats and bat caves remote areas of China um these uh, FDA folks went in to examine what they were doing and how they were doing it and actually sent a very alarming cable back that there was a lack of appropriate uh, biosecurity around what they were doing. And they were um, literally testing, you know, extremely dangerous uh, viruses that we didn't know much about and did not have countermeasures and they were not even doing it in a bsl level four meaning the highest biosecurity level environment they were doing it at bsl level two which is basically just under a hood yep. um and but and this this meant that there was a very significant risk of these viruses they were experimenting with getting loose you know unintentionally um you had to add to that that the military in china was equipping this lab. Um, you know, there, there, there's, a, there's a general over there in China, Li Shangfu, who is a aeronautical engineer, but he is in charge of all equipment development for the Chinese military. Now, most people look at him and say, well, you know, he's out here building airplanes and building tanks and ships. Well, not only that, but he's putting the equipment together for biowarfare because the, all the components of their service could, take, could be employed in using those kinds of weapons. And so he's got to supply all the equipment and all the design and everything for building a lab or a production facility for it or, or even the equipment to build countermeasures, you know, to be able to build vaccines and, and make them available. These guys were deeply involved in what was going on in Wuhan, um, which suggests to me there might have been pressure there to get things done. That may be why things were lax. But that also may be why, you know, the Chinese reached out to EcoHealth and other people um, seeking technical input to advance more rapidly their research. Um, and given that this was being done in less than ideal biosecurity environment, you know, all the ingredients were there for a mishap or an escape of this uh, of this this organism, and I don't think sufficient attention was paid by everybody, including the U.S., in what was happening there and what the ramifications would be if something went wrong. Well, it did go wrong, and we first detected things in the fall. Um, I actually sat in on a phone call in late November. Chinese doctor talking to some folks here in the U.S. This is outside of government. It was an academic environment um, that something was happening. There was something spreading and they were unprepared for it.
And, you know, a lot of indications that the Chinese recognized something happened much earlier. I mean, this nonsense about throwing a hospital up from, you know, from not, not existing um, into built in the end of December is crazy. There were pictures from early December showing infrastructure already in the ground and all the foundations and piping and sewer lines and electrical and everything all already in place. Well, to get that done, you would need drawings and engineers and architecture work and all that stuff. You know, they had been planning this hospital or recognized need for this hospital months before. And we're trying to build it as fast as they could. So that's just one example of the indicators. But something was happening over there and that something had gotten loose. So, John, I think we'll have you back on for another space where we start to get into the meat of that. It's, it's really the goal of coming out of this one. I wanted to be able to everyone to understand how the relationship between uh, dual use research and concern, gain of function and medical countermeasures so that people can understand why we're doing things that why we're doing these things in, in concert. So and I can put this out this question to both of you. So is there a justifiable civilian use for gain of function? Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I've kind of been an absolutist and I think that in the past I would have, I would have pretty much said what, what a lot of other people would say, which is that, well, you need to be able to counter what other people can do. But <clears throat> after, after spending a career kind of on one side of it and knowing that uh, for instance, that, um, oh gosh, uh, Ken Albikov, who was one of the two or three uh, defectors who came over from Russia in the early 90s, they basically told us that they were, not only were they actively engaged and had tons of warfare agents, but they they were ahead of us in many areas in terms of technological capability um, and I, I think there was a, some hubris. I mean, I was obviously not there back then, but I, I think there had been hubris uh, to think that. I know they were surprised, but I think there was also hubris. And at the same time, now that I've having watched this pandemic, I mean, I obviously understand the importance of and the value of uh, being prepared for something. But I also understand that the <laughs> well, I, I've been investigating the origin from, from a different point. Of, I've been trying to figure out what happened. And the bulk of my research has led me to the place where I know that if we had used the capabilities and the technology that was available to us at, in 2020, when this first became apparent, then this would have been a very different pandemic. But instead, we regressed. We, we made decisions that were antithetical to what we had known to do in, in dozens of areas. And I know that you, know, you and I have talked a lot about this, but, but the reality is, is that we had technologies we, we had antivirals that weren't ivermectin or hydrochloroquine that had been invented in America, uh, including by one of the authors of the Proximal Origin SARS-CoV-2 that targeted specific parts of class one 
uh, fusion protein viruses that weren't used specifically because they did not want to highlight the fact of these specific parts of the vi that the virus were in there. Why? Because these specific parts of the virus were highly homologous or similar to several pieces of the HIV genome. And they knew this, and they intentionally ch chose not to address it. And they also intentionally chose not to remove these pieces from the spike protein when they made the vaccine. And in addition, <laughs> the, there are other things that, that I will eventually testify to, because um, there, there was more than just the diffuse proposal that was, that was given to me by our DARPA source. But the bottom line is, is that they had detection technologies. They had, but they didn't even use the stuff that, that we knew to use already. Instead, they went in completely different areas with unproven technologies and refused to bring to bear the weight of our expertise and our ingenuity. And I know for a fact that DARPA and many other um, agencies were desperately offering these innovative ideas and they were being struck down. And they were being struck down by the very same people who had been encouraging this skin function work, including Dr. Fauci. So that, that um, kind of encapsulates the problem, but it's a massive problem. I agree. So, so John, I think the follow-up to that is, do you think the Department of Defense just wanted its, its platform, that being the mRNA platform and the weapon, at the end of the day? Is that really what the push was here, is to get the new technology to market at, at all costs? I don't think I could say that. I think, in fact, I'm, I know that there were people um, at various levels who's uh, had the same attitude as I did. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Now, you know, once the SARS virus had been adapted and COVID was on the street, as it were, and infecting the world, um, you know, even before it was an issue here, you know, as early as, uh, you know, when Italy really was having a major break in the end of December, um, same time China was, you know, now highly public and admitting something was happening. Um, you know, there was a push in DOD, hey, we got to do something. You know, what, what do we have? Um, a lot of decisions were made there, but um, I can't, you know, can't just speak, to, don't even want to try to speak to all of them. But what really bothered me was that once we knew something was happening, we didn't follow the plan. Uh, you know, to That's put right. it in simple terms, we had a plan. We had a a, a plan for a major virus. Um, the the plan was originally written around AI, but uh, even influenza. Uh, but it was a viral plan, and it was how we would maintain function in the country, how we would do all these things, and we didn't follow it. And because we didn't follow the plan, we created more problems than we were solving with it to a great degree. That's right. So how, how heartbreaking was it for you since I know that you worked on versions of that plan for different sub-agencies and agencies when they didn't follow it? Oh, I was crushed. In fact, I, you know, myself and Dr. McGinn were raising Kane in DHS. I mean, I was, I was on phone calls every day saying, what the heck is going on here? We're, you know, you were making decisions we knew we shouldn't be making. We're doing things we shouldn't be doing. Shutting down the food service supply chain in this country was illogical, was not part of the original plan. And what we try to explain is, you know, 
50% of the meals consumed in the United States are in food service. Only 50% are at home. If you shut down food service, the grocery system can't supply everybody. There wasn't a shortage of food. There was a shortage of food in the grocery supply chain. And we actually created mass hunger and food insecurity in this country with those decisions. We knew it would happen. We warned against it. And people told yeah. us, shut up. Don't say anything. Yeah, it, it, that pretty much sums up my experience of being a government scientist, um, <laughs> unfortunately. Well, I think this is a good, a good place to, to, to stop and ask the audience if there's any questions. I think we have time for, I don't know, two, three questions, see where it goes. Um, Monica, how would you like that's to handle excellent. that? Uh, yeah, that's great. Let's do that because I know there's a gentleman uh, who I'm about to bring up. He was in my space. Um, he is uh, an Air Force pilot. He was in my military readiness space just the other evening. I'm going to add... Uh, David to the conversation. He has a question um, that he posed online. So I think this will be a good place to start. Uh, wow. This has all been very enlightening gentlemen for sure. And I, and I do hear kind of the, the, okay. Is this naivete, right? Or was this intentional? And if so, what part, and it looks like we're trying to get it, like we're now getting into some of the, the meat and potatoes of that. And it sounds like there's a difference of opinion as to what part was reckless, what part was intentional. And this is such a blessing, I think, for us because the American people are very confused and, and they don't trust DARPA. They don't trust the DOD. They don't trust DHS. They trust nothing. They certainly don't trust uh, Fauci so, or the NIH or the CDC. And so I appreciate the candor and I certainly hope that we'll continue uh, along in the same vein, you know, as we're moving forward. Um, so without further ado, David Beckerman, welcome, sir. Hey, thanks. First of all, uh, thanks for bringing me up. And wow, I'm learning so much from you guys. Uh, active duty major here. My opinions are my own. Do not represent the Department of Defense and Air Force. Hey, so um, I, with eight other officers, we submitted a whistleblower report to Congress. Senator Johnson picked it up. The focus of that report was the fraudulent licensure, right? The EUA issue. Yes. The, the mandating of an unlicensed EUA. It didn't really gain traction. He put off on the wrong... Um, piece of that report uh we were talking about fraudulent labels as well but then i went into this research rabbit hole of project bioshield and barda and so with the expertise in the room i'd like to ask how does barda and project bioshield play into all the things that you guys are talking about because from my perspective um just for this particular pandemic like project bioshield is what uh, lays the ground um, lays the groundwork for the financing of the research, and it allows it's what granted this emergency use authorization category. So I just so to sum it up, the question hmm. is, how does that play into what you guys are bringing into the table? Um, well, uh, so, so I just want to say real fast that the the. Yes, it, it allows for the funding, but from what I understand from what you're talking about, if if they were just slapping new labels on the EUA virus and calling it Comirnaty, uh, I would think that that would kind of negate that because the whole the whole point was is that it doesn't really matter how it was funded because they still skirted the rules um, to do it. Now, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, because that, that is the problem, right, is that they, so as long, if it's not going to be, if they already lied about that, 
I don't know that they, it, it might not be the problem of the funding if, if they were just lying about putting labels on, but maybe I'm hearing that wrong. No, well, I guess the problem is twofold. One, uh, we lied to the public about what vaccine was available. We said Comirnaty was on August 23rd, but then it was never produced. In the military, because we were, you know, writing um, our writing to the inspector general and writing Article 138 complaints, what they did for us was they produced community labeled, um, and they yep. used that term. Uh, uniformly and consistently, they say community <laughs> label, community label. And I made uh, one of my fellow whistleblowers made the joke, like you wouldn't go to a restaurant and order a Coke labeled soda; you would just order a Coke. So we're dealing with that, and I'm and I'm, I'm trying to make the public aware that you know there are no licensed uh, injections, vaccines, whatever you want to call it. And I'm not going as far as you guys are, right? I I feel like the the lie. The, the, this initial lie is is enough to get people worked up and upset at the government. Um, but what you, guys, what you guys are bringing, it's just so fascinating. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we can connect after because I'm sure I'll have questions as my research, uh, as I continue down my research rabbit hole. Well, once down the rabbit hole, what I find is it, it's just you, you, you just you never think that you can be one up to one more time by your own investigation, your own research, and then you find one more shocking thing. And from what I've looked at, it, it's just one fraud on top of another. And, and one thing that didn't come up earlier in the conversation is that. Um, so here, Colonel Hoffman, let me ask the question: uh, What did you know about the the ability of the mRNA platform to prevent transmission, and when did you learn that? Wow, that's a good question. I have to think back. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, the the assumption, the working assumption that, that I had in interpreting what I was hearing was that it wouldn't necessarily prevent transmission. And um, all of the original things that I read, the original research was on RMNA, RMNA, is that basically the idea was that you minimize effective an infection, you aren't necessarily going to prevent infection or you're not going to make people immune to infection. And I think that the one of the mistakes made in the legion of mistakes um, was this uh, representation that somehow getting the vaccine would mean that you could not catch the virus. That was never Absolutely. in the early um, indicating any of the early research on this, it was never um, one of the, you know, primary goals. It was to limit the severity. Um, you know, when you're looking at this as something you would use in a fighting force, you would still have functional soldiers even if they had a bad cold, you know, or bad infection, but it wasn't debilitating. And that was the whole idea here is that you created something that could minimize the effect, keep people out of the hospital and lower mortality and severe morbidity. Um, that's not how it was presented to the American public. And, you know, how that came to be, there's probably going to be a lot, of a lot of retrospective on that for years. But it was a huge mistake because it misrepresented exactly what they believed this was going to do as a vaccine. But I, I think people might laugh or cry when they hear this. Could you estimate what year that was when you, when you came to that determination about the transmission characteristics of the mRNA platform? Well, that was a working assumption early on. I mean, I think that goes back to the early 2000s. And remember, oh, there were hold events on, though. happening. I think, I think, hold on. I think I just got to jump in because how shocking that probably is for much of the audience. So, I mean, so Colonel Hoffman says that, you know, through his experience, that he knew that the mRNA platform did not 
prevent disease transmission in the 2000s. I myself learned, learned this fact in, in the national security setting in 2014. I'd become aware of this. And fast forward six or seven years, that hadn't clearly changed, but yet the government went out and told everyone that this, this platform would prevent disease transmission. Well, that's, that's correct. And actually, when, I, when we released the diffused documents, um, the, one of the reasons that DARPA rejected that proposal from Equal Health Alliance is because it was, it was, it was, it was a very similar concept to the lipid nanoparticle mRNA. And the, the entire, one of the main problems was that it, it produces partial epitope coverage. So by definition, it's, it, it's ultimately going to spur um, viral evolution. But with coronaviruses in particular, they are more prone to evolution because they're easier to recombine as well as mutate. So that problem is going to be exacerbated. And DARPA in 2018 rejected that. And what the diffuse proposal actually shows, and this is the point that I tried to make after we released it, whenever I was writing articles and working behind the scenes to, to kill the mandates in the military, is the fact that the DOD rejected this idea in bats in 2018. And then 18 months later, it became the primary basic platform for NIH and HNHS. And then 18 months after that, the president ordered universal coverage for all of the troops, even though this was the exact same thing that DOD had rejected three years earlier. And when you, t when you pile that on top of this, the, the attempt to then cover it up just so they could keep it universally vaccinating, as, uh, as the major was talking about, it was disgusting. Like... I, I, it's horrific. It really is. Uh, well, I think you have, have to bear. Uh, you have to have I'm a sorry. little perspective. Excuse me. No, 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 no. Please go ahead. I just noticed that David had his hand back up. Please, uh, Colonel, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just want to put a little perspective on this. Um, and it was very logical at the time for DARPA to refuse that. There were people who were against doing this at that time, and there was no, at the time, imminent threat. I think that the fact that the threat world changed with the advent of the manipulated COVID you know, virus coming out and having <laughs> the effect it was yeah. going to have is going to cause people to rethink and make, make decisions. And we can question those decisions for years you know, as we go forward. But from the early standpoint, the assumption was that you may not be able to give you full immunity. Um, but the belief was that if you had something like this deployed, it would spread through a community of people, and eventually there would be a certain level of inherent uh, immunity, herd immunity, if you will, that would occur in that group of people as the virus mutated to deal with the, um, you know, whatever the agents were using to counter it. Because viruses, you know, they succeed, if you will. They only change through time and morph through time as a way to survive uh, and not kill the host because the virus always kills the host and eventually the virus dies off when everybody who got is dead. So the you know viruses don't really, nature didn't, didn't configure them that way. That's not the way they're programmed. 
And so they were trying to leverage that aspect of the virus that, it, yeah, it'll evolve, but it becomes essentially less virulent and it becomes, doesn't mean less contagious, but it means it's not going to have the damage that it, that would, that it has at the beginning, like high mortality, high morbidity. So that was part of the logic behind using this as an approach, but it was not mature. There were many, many questions still about using it. Then the COVID, you know, pandemic broke and then people started making decisions. That's where this, and, and plus misrepresenting things. And that's where this creates problems. Thank you for that. Um, uh, Texas, Lindsay, do you mind, uh, Lindsay, telling us what you just put up in the nest? And then Andrew, if you don't mind, I'd like to go back to, um, to uh, David. So I just added the um, EcoHealth Alliance DARPA proposal that Project Veritas is the one that kind of put this really in the semi-mainstream news with everything. Um, it's the proposal that um, Colonel Hoffman was discussing and how it was um, denied initially when it was brought forward the first time initially because of the ethics behind it. They declined because it was essentially trying to bypass the gain of function um, that was already yeah, the moratorium that was already in place. So I just pinned that up there. The documents are there. The documents also disclose how um, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin were known effective treatments um, as early, I think, as February, March 2020 is what they say. And those were that information was suppressed in order to get the emergency use authorization approved That's for correct. the um, DOD vaccines. So our gene therapies is technically what they are, but they relabeled those as well as, as vaccines. So just went ahead and, and posted that there so everyone can see those if they haven't seen them yet. Thank you. And for mm -hmm. those of you who are not familiar, please follow Lindsay. She is hosting some amazing spaces and they, you know, she covers a lot of this and she's doing a lot to help people uh, behind the scenes with this as well. Uh, David? Yeah, so uh, Colonel, I think you would have been around for the anthrax, and it's it's refreshing to hear you guys talking about it. Anthrax was the you know the first EUA that they mandated for the military, and then that uh, order was uh, you know became it SCOTUS ruled that that was an un unlawful order, and here we are repeating uh, that same mistake. Uh, Major Murphy, who wrote this invest Inspector General report, he actually were enrolled in the same school. Uh, I've been trying to get a hold of him, in fact, to kind of pick his brain a little bit more. Um, but he's a distance learner, so I can't reach out to him through, like, the school messenger. Uh, but I, I just wanted to say, you know, again, the more I hear you guys explain it, the more I'm convinced it's a, it was planned. You know, and Project BioShield, by the way, which they, which they renamed in 2013 to uh, the uh, Pandemic All-Hazard Preparation Act, I think that has right. a a key piece to the puzzle and I haven't quite figured it out what that puzzle is. And I, right now what I'm seeing is that it, it gave, it, it allows funding. Uh, it was allowing them to research and it's what allows them to uh, fast track these, pro these treatments, pro uh, products, vaccines, whatever under this EUA umbrella and where the lie and the manipulation comes into place is telling the public that, yeah, it's FDA license, don't worry, go get this thing, and then it was never produced. So it's fascinating. I thank you guys for your time. And I'm, uh, like I said, I'm hope hopefully can, uh, I can see you guys as I'm doing more research. Thank you, David. I appreciate that. Uh, Nostic came up. Uh, Nostic, you have a question? Uh, yeah, I'm, first of all, you know, thank you, Elon, for allowing spaces like this. Dr. Hoff, John, Charles, 
you've plugged a whole bunch of holes in the information that I've been able to dig up over time. And just, and, and Texas, uh, thank you all, regardless of the pressure you're put under, thank you for coming forward and continuing to do, do the work that you're doing. Uh, it is appreciated by more people than you could possibly ever imagine. Um, and our gratitude to you forever for the work that you're doing. What you're doing is bringing together a model of what's happened and how it happened and where it happened. But I would add a little bit. I've, I've got a whole bunch of other stuff, and I'll leave it up to Monica whether you know she brings me back to do some other things. But as far as the history goes, I've been watching this since 2012 uh, when they first started the bat operations in Wuhan, and the bat lady started collecting her, her stuff because the danger involved in that was huge. <clears throat> and at a level two, level three lab that they were working in, it was a problem. And then when I believe it's the French uh, started work on the level four lab, uh, it became a little bit better. But the requests for cleanliness assistance that came back to the Canadian level four lab as well as to the Atlanta level four labs uh, have already been documented. And we know that the labs just were not up to, up to snuff either for cleanliness or for sealing things up to sit down and do it. And I don't know if you followed the export of by a I forget what her title was, but she was a, a viral researcher employed by the Chinese army that was working in the lab in Winnipeg. And she and her husband, I believe, were the ones that took uh, virus samples, deadly virus samples, out of Winnipeg at the request of shipping. It didn't go outside normal shipment channels or anything, but they still took these, these samples to the Wuhan lab. Uh, and when you ship stuff in and out of China, there's a whole set of biologic forms that you have to fill out. And my, I suspect what happened is that when those forms made it up through filtering in China, somebody finally looked at it and said, we have, we have a leaky lab with gain-of-function work being done in it, and we're now shipping in a deadly virus. If there's a combination in there, this is going to be a disaster. And my understanding, again, trying to get go back in time and get all of this you know, proven is, is weak, but it looks like the Chinese sent in the army to clean out the observers in there that were observing the lab. And now you've got soldiers walking around a lab uh, that have no idea how to, how to maintain cleanliness in a lab that's not clean anyway. And so the guess is that the, the virus, one of those soldiers or several of the soldiers ended up getting infected, took it back. And then the military games that took place in Wuhan in the fall of that year, there were many Canadian soldiers that came back that had flu-like symptoms that were specifically ordered by the commanders not to be tested. And we've, we're still looking for evidence of the other people that went to that military game that sit down and got, got ill uh, and trying to trace it back to see whether or not there were other ones that were there, but that was in the early fall. And some of the blood samples that, that came out of China that were tested showed that by September, there was a fair degree of known infection that was taking place. And the Chinese government, I think, was just trying to save. I, I, whether this was done on purpose or was just a simply a door that people saw and could take advantage of in a given circumstance. So I'm sure the military people are aware of if you set something up, eventually someone will pull a trigger, someone will shoot somewhere, and you'll end up with a massive set of accidents. And I don't think anybody let this loose on purpose, but they did set up either by accident, by naivete, by whatever, the ability for this to occur, and subsequently had it occurred. And I'm 
really happy to hear you sit down and present the, the naivete argument. Uh, I just came out of a social event where a whole bunch of people from different public health organizations were there. And the degree of we're willing to accept certain amount of deaths in order to sit down and inoculate the entire population because that's just part of the whole process. I think at heart of people sitting down and making some of these naive mistakes is the belief that a certain number of critical illness and a certain number of deaths is acceptable to sit down and protect the rest of the population was at the heart of some of the decisions that were made here. But I'll, I'll let this go for now, Monica, but I, wow, I, this is a great space and I thank all of you people for being thank here. You. And please do press on with Monica. Thank you, absolutely, and we will. We, we've got, um, we have a whole series. This is a six-part series for those of you who did not know. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm certainly, I'm not quite to where you are, Gnostic, about believing, you know, that, that this was all naivete. And I think, too, 10 things can be true. Right. And so I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to digging back into this recording. Uh, for those of you who are just joining us, thank you, by the way. We're going to be uh, coming to a close here soon. However, the first part, the first space crashed. Shocking, I know. Um, so what I'm going to do is take both spaces and I'm going to uh, merge them into one show. So I, I want to encourage you to please share this material far and wide. Um, if you are media and you are sharing my material, I thank you in advance for crediting my show uh, at MySpace, the Monica Matthews Show, and you're right here at MySpace at Monica on Your Talk. And thank you for joining me. Please continue to come back throughout the series. Um, I think there's a lot of golden nuggets in here, as you can tell. I'm already getting the conspiracy theorists blown up my DMs, and that's fine. I'm used to that, too. Um, but, but I think if we can put all of that aside for just a minute and really uh, dig through uh, the information, we owe it to ourselves, right? We owe it to ourselves to take new information and bring it to the table. These are new puzzle pieces. And, and more importantly, I see it as we finally, quite possibly, have the box to the jigsaw puzzle, Right. And have you ever tried to put a jigsaw puzzle together without the box? <laughs> and that's kind of what we've all been doing for the past few years, driving ourselves crazy and, uh, and becoming extremely divided in the process. And even the process has become criminalized. Right. And so um, I'm honored to have been a part of it. Uh, but please also just share the show. I will put it up. You do not have to um, subscribe to my podcast, although I would encourage you to do so. I would love to have your patronage. But if you if you don't, you can share this without having to subscribe. So please share it within your respective circles. But um, if there's unless, uh, you know, I would ask you, um, Dr. Huff, if you would just please kind of encapsulate uh, briefly what we've discussed here today to give people who just came in a little bit later an idea of uh, where we began and where we're ending in preparation for the next uh, episode. Thank you. Sure. So this episode or this space began with us examining the need or the rationale for medical countermeasure development, the development of drugs and vaccines, and how that has a symbiotic relationship with dual use research of concern or this other jargon term called gain of function. So how we evolve and advance infectious diseases because we need to, to, to be able to test the drugs or vaccines or gene therapies that we're trying to develop. And the mRNA platform 
itself is a unique was in a unique position because it could be rapidly deployed and developed and scaled faster than any other product. Well, I'm sort of winking while I'm saying that, but that was the argument put forward that the mRNA platform could be manufactured and scaled to meet a national emergency. And through that process and through people's fear, and there was a number of deceit deceits that took place by a number of different actors to bring this platform to the market. And then we eventually got into, started actually going into the weeds on a number of different aspects of the pandemic, its origin, and the politics around it. And I, I think that's probably a good place to stop. Okay, um, excellent. I, I did bring one other person up because he's an investigative journalist that I follow and he's been in my spaces and I trust him to be succinct and to have his question ready to go. And I know you guys can handle it. So if you all would not mind uh, obliging just briefly, that would be great. And then I'd love to go to my co-host who had his hand up and I would love to get some closing remarks from Lindsay because I know she has a lot of knowledge and she's doing a lot of great work and I want to give her an opportunity to chime in uh, before we, I give my closing remarks and, uh, and we sign off. So George, welcome. Yeah. Hey, uh, Dr. Huff, George Webb. Thank you, Monica, for the uh, ability to ask Dr. Huff a question. I bought his book on audio and on Kindle. I recommend that to everybody to search the Kindle. Uh, Dr. Huff, I was just wondering about digital detection. You talk about it a lot in your book and the evidence that you have for the early breakout in September. And I think you may even reach into August with your digital detection. Is that published anywhere? Your you know, satellite photographs or the uh, detection of the cell phones or the or the Google lookups uh, and just what what's the body of evidence that we have so far yes so much of that inter, uh, information is available online it is very deeply buried and difficult to find they've broken the powers of be have broken link, links to it um, the websites will get scrubbed where it pops up I'm happy to send you some of the information if you'd like to like to see it I know that's your thing and, and as far as digital d disease detection is concerned I'm, I'm one of a handful of experts that built platforms for the Department of Defense and, and three other agencies using machine learning and artificial intelligence and because of my previous work in the national security space I know what types of data that the U.S. government has access to, and that being the intelligence community or the military health intelligence folks. And it, it's not difficult for me to see or know when they likely detected the signals on this. I actually I saw something to this effect that a civilian came up with and posted to Twitter today where they were looking at um, – pandemic or infection, emerging infectious disease signals from, from Google search terms, which was published today on Twitter. So there have been a num number of other people working in that area. And if it helps you in any way, I'm happy to share that, that information with you directly. Great. Um, if you want to put it in the nest for everybody, or if you, I don't know what you prefer. I hate to be the only guy getting the sole source, although it sounds like a great exclusive. So maybe I'll do that instead. Well, it'll take me some time to, I'll have to go pull it off my, my, one of my hacked devices. I haven't looked at it in a while. My, my computers were actually getting hacked at, at such a frequency. I was rotating them out and refreshing the operating systems on them. So it'll probably take me half a day or a day to put it together. And then I could probably put it in a WeTransfer link and then I can post it to Twitter. Awesome. Thank you, doctor.
Thanks, George. Appreciate you. Uh, Tim? Yes. Uh, good afternoon, Dr. Huff, and also our, our panel, um, Texas and John. Uh, I had a question about the, in your book, you mentioned the 1977 uh, lab leak in Russia that led to H1N1. Are you aware of any further lab leaks that happened in North America between the time frames of 2005 and 2009? I mean, there's probably so many lab leaks you, you wouldn't really know about. It. I'm speaking here from uh, putting my academic hat on here. So I, I used to be a professor at Michigan State University, uh, and I worked in the Center for Comparative Epidemiology in both human and animal medicine as an epidemiologist, and I was also a hospital epidemiologist, and I've run uh, BSL-2 labs, and lab leaks happen, and it's just a, it's a, it's a function or a part of the business, and th the question is whether or not those lab leaks get accurately reported within either the university or academic community or the government system where they happen, because there's um, huge incentive for faculty, clinicians, laboratory techs, students, um, and people working in and around infectious diseases not to report these things because there are consequences for it. Um, but there, there's actually a long list of, of documented, suspected, and confirmed lab leaks which have happened within the, within the United States, but typically with infectious diseases which do not pose um, a pandemic threat, if that makes sense. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Huff. Excellent. Ten, thank you. Uh, okay, great. We have Charles back, back with us. Um, Lindsay, go ahead. Um, well, one thing that we I, I can add here is about the Google searches and, and being related to COVID is a Harvard study was done on the um, COVID origins being found as early as um, late summer, early fall 2019. And I actually shared that study on Twitter and Twitter put a COVID misinformation label on the Harvard study link that I shared. It's out, absolutely outrageous. But basically, it was an analysis of WeChat's. And WeChat is, you know, like Google, fo Facebook, social media for in China, where uh, there was um, a huge uptick of people searching for flu-like symptoms. And then they also did an analysis of parking lots compared with prior year from satellite imaging, showing that the parking lot was essentially empty the year before around the same time frame and then and around august 2019 it was um completely full of cars and you combine that with the people searching for um flu-like symptoms and you, you see you get a better picture of the virus starting much earlier than the official narrative states uh, in that same time frame between august and september bill gates was meeting with BioNTech and officially became a um, big stakeholder in BioNTech and bought in $50 million, promising to buy in um, at $150 million if things, if things went well. As you know, Bill Gates' ties to the World Health Organization, which was directly linked to the investigation in Wuhan, along with EcoHealth Alliance. So you have all these components going back in, in China with ties and knowledge of what was happening. And then you follow the money and it, and it leads to a really nefarious scenario of people knowing things that were going on um, before the public did and before they admitted to their own knowledge of it. But so I just kind of wanted to, to add that. I can also add, I can't pull up the link that I shared. I think I ended up having to delete it. I was also censored for sharing 
the very first time I was ever locked out of Twitter, um, it was about something um, about Peter Daszak when I was working with Andrew. And um, I shared a tweet that he deleted, and it was about the Bat Lady that um, I can't remember if David or, or Gnostic mentioned her, but she um, gave a speech. And, you know, of course, all these academic um, sponsors were involved in the speech that she gave. But just pointing out, I said, why did Peter Daszak delete this tweet if he wasn't worried about a lab leak? Uh, about it being a lab leak, something along those lines. And um, Uncovered DC covered covered my censorship and the fact that it happened to me. But I couldn't believe uh, that this happened. I didn't even, I was never even on Twitter until January of 2022. Um, and it was shocking to me that you could get locked out of your account for asking why someone deleted a tweet. So um, all these things, there's, there's obviously a huge cartel behind the scenes behind a curtain of, of mystery and, and hopefully we'll, we'll find out who these actors were and what their involvement was on, on the censorship with that because they were, they were all shadow banning all of these scientists, especially the, the members of Drastic that were involved um, in participating in this. And they, they didn't seem to um, censor Andrew too much. <laughs> he, he got away with um, just about anything that he, he was willing to share. Um, but uh, you know, it just goes to show that there's um, a much bigger thing involved behind the scenes, and hopefully that curtain will be lifted soon so we can know exactly what happened. Well, I think they did something strange to me, and I, I've reflected back upon my Twitter experience. I mean, I think I was placed into essentially a limited hangout with my followers, and it never expanded. Same. Yeah. <laughs> both was... were subjected to that. And then he and mm. Andrew was telling about all these when uh, I guess we worked together for like two and a half months, like every day we were talking to journalists around the world. It's funny how the U S media wasn't beating down our doors, but the um, major outlets in other countries in Spain and Germany and everywhere wanted to interview Andrew. They couldn't believe that the New York times wasn't beating down his door wanting to cover his story. And I was like, well, you, you need an education there because the New York times is, been captured for a long time and <laughs> this doesn't fit their narrative so they're not going to cover it even though it had nothing to do about vaccines it didn't fit the Fauci narrative about um the evidence showing that it was a lab leak so that that was really concerning how the the press acted but everyone said that it would change in November and it did and Andrew made a huge media tour since once that happened but I think the shift in power um to the Republicans taking over the house made a big difference there, but um, it's, it's just, it's wild until you're in it. But Andrew was telling me about how um, he thought either FBI or CIA was breaking into his house and, um, you know, going through his things. And I thought, well, that, that just sounds, that sounds so wild. It's hard to even like wrap your mind around how that could be happening. But I was carrying my laptop with me everywhere. I left it home one day when I went to a, a work lunch. And when I came back home, Every single thing on my computer was gone. All everything I'd saved, and I, like I, I just remember thinking, "Oh my gosh, this is this is real. This is this really happened." There was a car parked out of, outside of my house for over a week, and I'd never seen it before. After this whole thing happened, I never saw that car again. And um, luckily, a lot of my my documents were backed up in the iCloud. But it really hits home when it happens to you, <laughs> and you, mm -hmm. it's not a conspiracy or anything anymore. It's just, it's very real. So, um, yeah, just to kind of give some credence to that, it 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 was 
it's very real and it does happen and uh didn't it didn't scare me or deter me it made me very determined to keep going and try harder because that just means you're they they want to know what you have and uh, they were determined to figure it out so it's real and now all they have to do is tune in to twitter spaces exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah uh or at least mine <laughs> so and Lindsay, for sure the ones you are you're hosting with like lara logan and those guys you know yeah that that's the whole like dod complex over there in some of your spaces a lot of um, <laughs> yeah yeah a lot of truth bombs i love it um i'm sorry andrew did you have something that you wanted to add uh, no i was just trying to laugh at the group Okay. All right. Yeah. So, well, I'm like, okay, for the record, uh, my breaks are new. I am not trying to end my life anytime soon. And thanks, Andrew, now that you've brought me into your, <laughs> into your atmosphere. Uh, but you know what? I'm used to it. And to be honest with you, Amen. when you asked if I would do it, um, I was like, absolutely. Uh, because, because, uh, because of the acquisition of, of Twitter, uh, we have been given a relative reprieve as media to actually uh, bring stories like this and bring information to you without quite the level of censorship, or at least I have. Now, I am extremely throttled and shadow banned. I will tell you that. Um, but I'm still here. And so that's a good thing. Uh, but for the past two years, like I said, um, our my spaces in particular with Tin and my regular co-host, uh, Christopher, we have been, you know, we've had people coming in to really try to mitigate the damage and the fear and the terror and the dread that, that people are going through across the globe, not not just here stateside uh, with regard to COVID and losing people and they're confused and, you know, all, this whole disinformation campaign um, and misinformation and just lack of information. And so I was 1000% on board because I feel like, you know, we're at least in an atmosphere now where we can be. Um, you know, relatively open and free with our dialogue. Again, if for some reason you don't like just disappear off of Twitter, you can always go to my website at monicamatthews.com. You can sign up for my newsletters there as well. Um, and I will push this out to my uh, respective audience as well. And again, for those of you who are just joining us, thank you. Um, we did crash earlier. I will combine the two spaces and you will have one full show from which you can pull and, uh, and circulate to your respective uh, family members, friends, uh, you know, the, the people who just are still wearing 16 masks in their car or jogging down the street, which I will never fully understand. Um, and yes, I do hear all of you serving in our military. Thank you very much. And you know, I love you. That's why I gave you a space the other night because your voices need to be heard all the time. Um, and I do realize that this is the 12th iteration of a COVID emergency, you know, use and that you guys are still being um, harassed by your commands uh, regarding your lack of vaccination. So, or whatever status you happen to have. I also want to say this in this space, congratulations to all of you who listen to my spaces. You um, have helped that, uh, that young lady who was in our military space and readiness space the other evening, private first class, um, Carolina, and you've helped her over like $4,000. Um, she lost her job the next day um, after being in my space. She is um, very sick and vaccine injured um, and she's needed help. She came into our space with $100. She left our space with over 4000 She was on Emerald Robinson today 
and Emerald is also sharing her. We've kind of worked together to get her more exposure so that those of you serving in uniform have more exposure. So please uh, go and retweet Emerald's work as well and make sure that you're keeping up with Carolina in as much as it's possible if you can give. That would be amazing. So thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you to our special guests. You guys were wonderful. Please come back um, anytime. And I I hope to see you back for the remainder of the conversation uh, throughout these episodes. Uh, Thank you for taking the time to educate us on the genesis of COVID-19, what it was, why it was made, where, uh, in the correlation between biowarfare and pandemics. Please follow everyone on our panel and mark your calendars for this Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we continue our series, Risk Factor, Why COVID Was Made. Uh, episode two will introduce the biosurveillance and health intelligence uh, episode. I hope this space has served you in bringing perhaps new information to help you while navigating this global disaster. Uh, My hope is also that you'll leave the landscape of anger and wrath because I hear you. I see your tweets. I feel your pain. I get your emails. I hear about your wife dropping dead in the kitchen. I mean, I get it. I've, I've walked through this valley of the shadow of death with you all for two years. So I know it's easy to be angry and you don't know who to believe, but I'm hoping that my spaces are going to offer you a place to put the actual pieces of the actual puzzle together um, with this series. So it's time for us to really grasp the depth and the, and the breadth of, of the medical assault, I think, on our collective psyches and our bodies and our spirits. And, you know, while we're all waiting for justice to prevail, um, I'd like to offer a word of hope. I end every single one of my spaces with prayer. So no matter what or who you believe in, I think it's safe to say that we could all use a word of encouragement and hope. So, Father, I thank you for this time together. I thank you for the courage of Dr. Huff, for Lindsay, uh, for our, our guests, respectively. Thank you uh, for these airwaves. Thank you that the earth is yours in the fullness thereof and that we're not going to be afraid and we're not going to back down. And as you reveal and you uncover um, that we do, in fact, move forward to pursue justice and to bring healing to our brothers and sisters um, who have been injured, uh, not only psychologically, but emotionally, physically, spiritually as well. So I thank you for your power and your grace and your mercy. And I thank you that this message is amplified and it gets into the ears and the hearts and minds of people who need it. We thank you that you are father and creator over all, over every single cell of our bodies was created perfectly. So I thank you that you're absolutely going to show up and show out in your magnificence and through your Holy Spirit, you will heal people miraculously throughout this globe. Thank you for every scientist who's in this space. Thank you for people who have taken the time and sacrificed for our country, worn the uniform in and out. Thank you for Lindsay and her courage as a, as a young woman. Um, who is traveling the globe to bring truth to people. And I pray that you'll magnify her work as well. In the name of Yeshua, I pray. Amen. Thank you guys very much, Andrew. I appreciate you, sir. And, uh, and we'll be back on Wednesday. Sound good? Sounds good. Well, um, didn't get a chance to speak, but um, uh, what was my impression there? It was, it was on the vanilla side and um Personally, I would have um, liked things to have gone uh, deeper into more technical detail, but that's the, (laughs) I guess they've got to break the ice somehow and raise the issue. Um, Watching your wife drop dead in the kitchen, just get over it, not up. 
Um, let me try uh, Charles. with me folks um so it seems like you've got to do some jiggery pokery to get into spaces um on a pc seems uh more set up for phones but um there's charles Can you hear me, dude? Yep. We see you. Um, oh, is that? Yeah. Um, yeah so I'm on the stream? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, great. Well, hey, I tried to get you on. Yeah. Um, but did you go? I, I, I think you went away, like, right before they started. They actually asked, like, I, I was I was in there. Um, it seems to me that it, Spaces is set up just for phones, from what I could oh, tell. Oh yeah, you you cannot you cannot um, talk in a space unless you're using an app on a mobile device. It has to be a tablet or phone. So I only just figured. Well, I was getting uh, cues from the chat, um, but the I don't know uh, what, what was what was my impression. It was. Um, I guess good to broach the top the topic at least of biowarfare. Um, nice to uh, what was his name Hoffman Colonel Hoffman. Nice of him to um... yeah. I, he was wanting to ease into it, which I think is also part of the reason why um, I, I might be coming back and doing more of them because it makes more sense. Because that was kind of a condensed, and that was an intro. There's so much more. Yeah, yeah. So, so like my goal, I, I think that's what we're gonna do. I'm not sure, but, but I think I'm gonna be there for at least some of them. We we'd even talked about like doing it in a, um, God, jeez, like where where we were just co-hosting and mm. we would have there'd be one guest and it would be the two of us. Um, because I think that would go better. Mm. Um, and plus, there's so much more to cover. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. There was there was so much more to cover, and the um, the the question as well with uh, on the on the space itself was um, it it didn't even sort of crack the um, why COVID was made and oh yeah, and ironically, ironically, um, he he's trying to. To hone it in, have it more, you know, like structured. But it's also too short. Like, mm. I, I mean, there is an obvious answer here, and you know what it is, right? Yeah. We just need to do it ourselves. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I, I think so. We need to. 
we need to like I don't know we we need to have somebody who has you know enough of following or whatever but we need an open space where we can opine and have people that don't normally get um, necessarily like come into contact or interact with you and me or others to to be able to hear what we're saying mm-hmm. over on the Twitter side because now it's now that it's more of a free range, um, I think it it'd be incredible. Guys, I mean, to be honest, I think we could just do better because there is so much to cover. And I mean, you and I don't have I mean, our structure of the plan is we're not going to you know, we're not going to like put it have the lube sitting on the side. Give you a nice massage. <laughs> yeah, a bit you know, shiatsu I mean, before uh, for dropping. Yeah, over. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to cover the bases that aren't already being covered, or mm. um. So to, I, I mean, to me, it's good, I, but I, I it was, could be more. I was, um, you know, when they were talking about the mRNA and when when they'd sort of heard about it, I, I was itching to get in there and. Um, you know, I wanted, I wanted to know what interaction they've had with uh, Andrew Weber to start with. Um, his uh, his enthusiasm for mRNA as a countermeasure, um, I think, I think was a reflection of what what was permeating through or through the bureaucracy and the DTRA. And I, I, I need well, to. I, well, so, like, if you, I, like I have the list of like the, like I said the, the, the guests that he wants to have coming on, and it's going to be moving into, like Malone and, like, he's going in there. I think that the title is a little deceptive because it implies that we were going to get there now when that's this is really more of a like to be honest this probably yo I think, I think we lost charles there Trying to get through right now, yeah, and you know what what Charles was just saying there was, um, yeah, the the title was a little a little, oh, I was a cock tease. What can I say? A little deceptive. And um, go, Doctor Lee style. Yeah, I mean, I I was trying to. I got my phone set up right at the end, and I I asked to sort of join, and. Um, like I say, it seems it seems that their plan was to, yeah, to I, I don't know shorter um, spaces and try to build to build out. But do we do we have the time for that? Should we should we not be going for the uh, advanced level class for the people that were in there? Because like I say, a lot of the information from my perspective was like yeah we we know that can we can we get round to the um the real technicalities of what it is that we're dealing with 
and unless we're unless we're deconstructing the nature of the weapon, um, you're just pussyfooting around. So um, I'm. Well, yeah, I think I think what Charles said is um, is, is to host our own space. The problem is we need to get someone who's got um, a, a significant following, and uh, you know my Twitter account just gets slapped all the time, so it never builds up. And the um, I don't know, maybe maybe Richard has uh, a significant number, but we need we need to do um something and yes viper i know the discord is not um coming up on the uh the chat i'll i'll try and fix i've got to fix a bunch of stuff um there's always something um like i said i don't i can't get through to charles uh, is he trying to get through him all right um Maybe you got a call from someone else if he comes back. But the... Um, the... We have to, we have to move quicker and more forcefully. And the, like I say, the pussyfooting around um academic niceties the time the time has come and gone for that and you know as, as due to them actively censoring and you know again it comes up it, it did come up as a discussion topic towards the end um i think that we just have to um accept that as it it, it was done and now we have to uh, move forward with the space that's been allowed to us and um it, it means getting to the the nuts and bolts of the agent itself and then once we've done that then we can begin to um uh, well, ho hold people's feet to the fire, and yes, Karma Doc, it was a uh, total surface level BS space. Um, just it should have been, uh, should have been done uh, quicker. Hello, big boy. Yeah. Oh, you're up early. Yeah. You know, you got to walk to school today. Yeah. Yeah, walk to school. Mum, you wake up. No. Um. Sorry about that. Uh. So. Need a phone to successfully spy on me. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Again. It it is what it is, and um, we'll just we'll just keep working towards it, and like I say, the. Not just me, but. Charles, other people need to be working on getting into different um, different platforms, different spaces, and ask how he will bring people. Yeah, I think I think that's uh, probably a, a good um, a good approach as well. And you know, uh, I'm myself, Charles, and 
Andrew are part of the, or did the Crimes Against Humanity tour. So the, yeah, let's say it's an opportunity let's slip by and um, the, with both me legs, uh, I don't know what that means, Nick, but um, let me, I want someone to talk to, let me do this and call Nick. school with both my legs yes you've got to do that um he's, he's literally just walked in here like half asleep and uh hey Nick. hey oi oi all right geezer i was making fun of your son that was all <laughs> he's, he's sort of walked in half zombie asleep and it's just the reflex to go and sit in front of the computer and, and play games um I, I, I guess it, I, I need to get a handle on that situation. Um, Karma Doc said in the chat, surface level BS uh, talk. What was your, uh, what was your impression? Did you catch it all? I I just cut the end of it. So I was hoping to go up and drop a black pill in the punch bowl myself, but uh, they were they were not letting people come up on the mics at that point. Mm. Um, I I heard uh, just a little bit of like the general's final comments there, mm. and um, I, you know, I uh, we we've gone all around about uh, sort of second guessing everybody that's in this public debate and. What are their influences and things like that? Um, and it's nice that Charles was in the discussion. Um, I still haven't had a conversation with Andrew um, since that one time he was going to be on the uh, roundtable with us in the spring and he couldn't get on the call. It wouldn't let him in. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm, I'm still forming opinions about, about all of the factors. But yeah, I, I think for Twitter spaces, so that's the, here's the deal. It's it's very lightweight. It's like a keyhole. Think of it like, you know, a family sitting around the radio listening to the updates mm -hmm. on the war. It's um, you, you can't present anything if you present links and anybody in the hosting panel disagrees or doesn't know what it is. You start getting snarky comments about, well, our posts are getting diluted. And, and that can be true. You know, people can shit post. But um, that's that's one of the drawbacks of that space. The upside is it can be linked right in with whatever multiverse you've got wired together here in your normal platforms. So all you've got to do is get that emulator up and running, log into your Twitter app with it, and it'll behave just like the phone up on your desktop. Uh, and uh, I was Go I ahead. nearly got it up, but um, mm -hmm. it seems seems to have crashed, I think. Um... 
I don't know. I mean, I'm not a sound engineer. I'm I am brand new with voice meter and all of this stuff. I mean, literally, Simon is just helping me sort out the bugs. Um, so uh, that's the only other piece is to get it successfully connected to the rest of your stream. Um, mm. You probably just want to work with him offline and test it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know the um, the issue with the phone. So. Um... Don't know why doesn't it have my apps installed now? I installed uh, um, and yeah, it's uh, frustrating. Um, and it, it, again, f for me, I felt that that was a opportunity missed because you had. You did have people. You had the whistleblower there about the uh, the labelling. Um, you had the mentor of Andrew, who was obviously in the bio defence space for well, it seemed like decades. He said it was from the nineties, um, and for it to be so superficial. Uh, I, I was uh, chomping, chomping at the bit, and well, I hope I hope they do sort of better um, next week. Um, and you know, it's that's another thing, which is is a week too long between the. Between in between session. segments, in yeah. between in between portions of the conversation, mm. um, I I don't think so because it's not going to wait. Anyone that is starting to so think of these spaces kind of like uh, honey, and they co they collect bees, mm. and people that start buzzing around them will start following hosts that they don't necessarily always follow. They'll start seeing up in the spaces. There's a little ribbon at the top on the phone app uh, for what's playing right now. And they're going in there more and more and more. And some of them are crap. There's a million of them on Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean, you know, I it just, you know, it's just, it's just like, there's so, there's only so much you can present um, in a technical, like in an educational space, or if you're trying to share information, there's only so much that fits through the keyhole of just the spoken word. It has to be ideas. It has to be important conversations between, I mean, I think the people they had gathered were great. Mm. I don't think there were any hardball, you know, topics or questions. And I think that they were trying to guard against that. They're trying to keep it um, civilized. And I, I saw a comment and I think I heard you, I thought maybe it was you that said something about apologist, you know, being an apologist for um, this, the, you know, there's, there's so much more. And yes, I agree. I, I don't want some kind of a milk toast, red herring, watered down concession to what's been going on behind the curtain to take the place of the real evidence and the real crimes. So yeah, I, I agree. Um, also though, um, I mean, just this morning, I lost my shit with somebody in one of those little private discussion threads that Mark was kind enough to invite me into. And it had it had several folks that you're probably familiar with. It was I think it's J. I think it's Jonathan's original private, you know, one of his one of his side conversation threads. Uh, and someone went in with a full, you know, very snide HIV denialism. 
you know, I, I hadn't had my coffee. I hadn't gotten out of bed. And normally I wouldn't have taken that bait because it's not good for my brand to get, you know, to, to lose my shit. Um, but I just had two deaths in the last week. Oh, no and shit. yeah, yeah, yeah. A aggressive pancreatic cancer. Uh, she's a mother of two, um, 52 years old and, um, another that's, that's cardiac event. COVID vaccine related. Well, and, and pancreatic fluke, you know about the fluke, right? Mm, yeah. It, yeah, the high, high, high number of incidents, there's a correlation of, of pancreatic fluke infection, you know, being a slow, like kind of like a lentivirus, a slow ticking time bomb for your, for pancreatic cancer. Mm. But so I, I was just raw and I, and I went at somebody and I, I copied their comments and I pasted them right back. And I said, look, um, how do you want me to go about this? Are we going to, you know, are we going to talk about data? Are we going to attack each other with ad hominem? You know, this is real basic ignorance. It was just germ denialism. Mm. And, um, and then I, you know, called him a cunt and then I left the discussion because <laughs> that was, you know, well, I, I, that wasn't good. Safer. Well, well, I'm, I'm raw. I'm hurting right now. And uh, to have somebody do that. And it's just, you know, it's those are the, the, the point of all of that is that we have to have these meaningful, uh, well packaged, well considered pieces of the truth ready to go in small, medium or large amounts. So that when if you do pop into one of those spaces, which you can you I think you can get it lined up so that you can do a space and be a speaker in a space through your Bluestacks app and still and have all of that audio uh, in line with everything else you do on the stream. Um, but then you can you can go in there and maybe just be ready to ask a really good question and then drop one post people who go in and try to carpet bomb. You know, I think everybody has sort of uh, there's there's a visceral reaction that people have to someone who comes in and is uh, overzealous. So, I mean, you've got the right you've got the right temperament for it. Well, uh, yeah. it's, uh... you can keep your vocabulary, <laughs> you can keep your behavior, <laughs> put on uh, your Sunday school clothes. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I can do if it's uh, if I if there's company, uh, if it's just me. Uh, um... Mm hmm. I don't know. Feels like uh, a degree of uh, me going bananas. I feel I feel like I'm uh, losing. Uh, the reality's getting a little slippery, Nick. So. Uh, well, we've been through uh, hell. We've been through a war, and it's a war for our minds, and a war for our lifestyles, and a war for our health, and all of that. So. Mm. Yeah. Where it, I'm, I'm seeing, you know, we've all seen people starting to emote, um, who normally keep it wired pretty tight. Um, and that's okay. We've, we've also lost a lot. There's been a lot of death and there's a lot more to come. Mm. So, you know, we, we, uh, I, I appreciate, you know, everything that we continue to do as sort of a little community. And I, I wish you were more, um, if, if you would be uh, in, you know, bring your Sunday school behaviors to all of your Twitter behavior, you could continue to grow your following. And, you know, I, I wish you luck in that respect. But I know you don't you don't hang all of your success in, in as a messenger on that channel. No, so. no. Um, um, 
you know, that it was obvious it was being um, well, you know, monitored and censored anyway. So mm -hmm. a lot of it seemed uh, pointless, right? Might as well. Well, the 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 operating principle for me was I oh, can get in and just jab someone quickly because you'll get uh, you're going to get taken out anyway regardless like youtube um so but but the the ground has changed and so um that means we can do uh, yeah like you say um different different approaches and you know the the way to the way to do that is i think like uh, charles was saying um, we need a to host our own space um i don't know a couple of accounts that have 50 100,000 followers and just tear into it we've got to um can't keep um pussyfooting around right and you know this was something i've spoke to mark about and charles about um the, we have to be using the language of um, asymmetric warfare that these um, organizations are, are using against us. Um, obviously, the the gaslighting and the the well, the the psychological operations that can send in retards that will say germs aren't real, right? Um, you know, I was getting ready for the the spaces this this prior you know earlier this morning getting a bit confused about the time and you know i was just thinking about the the censorship and how successful that that operation has been right the no viruses aren't real yada yada and them sort of tying it to um yeah we are we are barreling toward this tech fascist state and they're they're taking they're taking a, a big dump in the in the punch bowl and it, it and it's yeah it's been supremely effective it really is the divide and conquer um principle is so it seems like we're just wired for it you know mr mr neuroscientist yep. um that there's a, a stimulus response that we love to um just it, we beat our chests and and we and we get confrontational very very easily it it's uh, it can take very little to put us into a state where there's no learning there's no objectivity there's certainly no inbound traffic of information or or allowing another concept to to even be um modeled or considered uh, there's hostility and there's denigration and there's ridicule and then it just becomes in us versus them this very classic you lose the whole point emotionally and psychologically of the conflict and it's just I want to put you down it becomes a focus on um, the ad hominem attack and you know you can call it out as it's happening 
you can try to lead someone back to the conversation and say, okay, we've, we've, we've gotten a little heated. Let's come back. This morning, I just blew the lid right off. It, it was like, you know, a kettle on the stove that just suddenly exploded and there's tomato paste all, you know, all over the kitchen. It was, I, I just suddenly freaked because I was really in a bad state and I, and I lost, you know, I, I lost any ability to have a conversation, let alone an argument or to bring someone to additional information. So we all, we're all coping with that. We're trying to be the tour guides in this house of horrors and say, Hey folks, there's lots that we need to learn about. There's some important, there's, there's, there are things that are kind of designed and occurring to distract you and sap your energy and pit you and I against each other while behind us someone is, you know, is winding up the big cartoon boulder that's going to, you know, land on both of us. You know, we it's that's the that's the danger in all of this is that we're we have to decide what do we teach? Where do we focus people's attention? What can people still go and get their hands on for themselves that's actually meaningful in creating that uh, tipping point, that, that critical mass, where they, even if they don't know it, they haven't necessarily applied themselves like, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the investigators have. They begin to believe. And they begin to see a bifurcation between, you know, that they, they start feeling the cognitive dissonance and they say, okay, I've been repeating these things and now I'm seeing some very difficult to dispel information or evidence in another space. And both of them are true, I thought. And that's, you know, that's where we want to get them to so that they can come. That's what we want is healthy, critical thinking, not to just instill another you know hey we've found the truth and here it is and you better believe it we need to be able to present things that people can connect to and then through the conversations and experiences in their own lives their friends and family in the military in science their friends and family involved in medical injuries like kids that have been getting injured by vaccines well before the COVID era you know can begin piecing it all together yeah and this is a how to get traction, man. Um, look, it, it's not like Richard hasn't gone round all the podcasts, right? He's, you know, he's even been on Alex Jones and, you know, any of... And he's relayed this a lot of this information. I mean, it's in the COVID space, but um, I, I, don't, I don't get how people are not not grabbing onto it or, or grabbing it and then just running off in um odd odd tangents and you know the you know this is what i was talking about with, with charles is that the the vaccine space has as charles said it sucked all the oxygen out and mm -hmm. um as as a consequence we're um, you know, we're trying to fight that, in a sense, even yeah. even though it's part of the it's part of the evidence that we're we're trying to bring forward. It 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 is interrelated, but um, I don't know. Maybe it's my own bias, right? That's um, clouding my judgment here. But I don't know. 
Well, I, it, it has to do, I think, with what, what is the strategy? What, what are we communicating? Are we trying to trigger scientific understanding and a big, you know, a big rushing in of people that are learning more about the history and the details of what have occurred? Are we, are we trying to promote that people examine how this occurred in the long term where defense industries are in, in many countries became in, got in bed with academia and their national health apparatus and positioned all of us in this precarious situation it, it you know i think different people will have different um expertise and bring more convincing arguments or encouragements like doc keck you know as far as what he's learned with uh, cases at the state level i think there are wonderful ripples of that and how that could be beneficial or meaningful in other states or at the federal level or in other countries so that's where i like the blockchain sort of aspect of it that we uh we don't ever burn all of our ammunition any you know like we're gonna take that hill uh-uh we we need to maintain our our rational grounded approach to it we have a sense of respect and understanding that in adult learning and in general human psychology there are boundaries and limits to what you can get someone to wrap their head around in any single encounter despite all of the black sticky tar that we've got all the stuff that oozes out of us that we make the black pills with um we th there's only so much and you can create, um, you know, you just, you trip the mousetrap, you know, you trigger them to just say, uh, uh, you, I can't take any more, or I don't believe it because it seems, um, categorically all too horrible. So that's just, I, I just, I can't approach that. I, I opt not to even try is really what's happening. So those are all things that you've got to be aware of, uh, you know, in, when you come into these cold call, like when I go into spaces, I've been brought into a number of the doctor spaces where they started, like it's an OBGYN, Dr. Hank, talking with other front care providers about what they're encountering. And they're talking about morbidity and mortality in infants. They're talking about pregnancies. They're talking about the whole spectrum and all of the things that, you know, you've been examining, exploring with the other investigators. And I post papers. I'm a repeater station between the raccoon cave and his space. And it's been a good synergy. And that's that's why I'm trying to just be um, generally a quiet connector. And some of us will be more vocal. You know, when I do my horrifying little lesson plan things, then, you know, that's when I have to stand up on the stage and show everybody the scary stuff. In the meantime, it's very nice to make really good use of people like Dr. Mary and yourself and Dr. Johanna and everyone who's contributing in different spaces and say, hey, you don't have to waste time. Someone has already looked that up. Here it is. Well, um, you know, that was the... The feeling that I had listening to that talk, I was like, "Come on, man, we've 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 covered this ground already. Let's uh, let's uh, let's move on." And you know, the look, I, I I get it that you know it wasn't like the young lady who came on at the end, and she she was talking about the satellite imaging and the Harvard study, etc. And um, you know, that's a study that I point to if I'm doing a um you know more formal presentation but god damn it that's that's like two two and a half years old and um the 
you know, there's there's more. We've got a lot more data and evidence since then, right? And 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 this is Charles' frustration as well, right? And you know, Charles has done, you know, uh, I, I, over time what what will be a far more effective approach. He's you know he's done his job, which is collate data and um, put it into a format that makes a situational report. And um, well, the, the the problem is, is that it's already. It, I, I would. I, I don't want to speak for Charles, but this is. It's already gone to the top of what we would consider the. The. Frameworks available to us, right? It's with senators. It's with Senator Johnson. And one thing I wanted to. Someone in the chat said, that. Johnson got pulled over the coals yesterday, and I wonder if if whoever that was, I'm trying to find the comment right now. Um, if someone's got a link to that, I would like to see it. I would assume this was a public exchange. I'm guessing so. Someone's um, put it in the. And um, was this about his interest in investigating COVID origin? Apparently. Well, wouldn't that be anybody that's on the payroll? Meaning, meaning the per, anybody that anybody that that watchdogged him would be someone that's trying to keep the narrative on track. Yeah, and there was there was a a name put with it. Where is it? Um, was it? If if you're still listening, please drop that comment again or a link because I would love to I would say okay that's I'm not seeing it can't wait for inhaled mRNA uh, I think it's already it's here with us already it's just uh I'm preparing to do a space with um, Apothecarol. She's a, a registered nurse in Texas. Yeah, and she's I, been. I know. She you know, is. you know Apothecarol. Yeah, mm. we're going to do um, GMO glyphosate toxicity. Hopefully, Dr. Hank will be there. He's. We've been, you know, helping him get into better, better food advice for expecting mothers. Um, you know, for the for her health. Did you find what you're looking for? Uh, no, I just, True Drew said it was about Hunter Biden. Um, mm. So was I, I thought it was it was Johnson, but not not COVID related, which is disappointing. Um, the and you know I I'm that aspect of it, right? The the, the countermeasures that people can deploy as well. I, it is important. Um, you know my. I guess my position right now is, look, man, if it if you feel like it's working for you, do it. Um, and, you know, I, I can... I, I'm taking advice from the internet right now. I, I don't think there's any <laughs> a, a, any sort of shame in that because it's we're, we're in un, unusual territory, right? Um, and so... You know, there's, there's probably a, a lot. We've to... never had this capability before. You've never been able to learn how does a Chinese mother 
on the other side of the world, well, you're, you're, you're closer to that side of the world, um, deal with a particular malady? Or what kind of herbs do they grow in South America that keep the population clear of certain types of parasites? And it's just in their diet. How does that work in all of the blue zone countries that have, um, you know, m noticeable uh, significant differences in um, certain disease and, and disease rates and uh, length of life, like uh, Icaria in Greece, where they just quite. Uh, sorry, I've got a cat rubbing on the microphone. Where they quite in, un, un, inadvertently live to 105, 110 years old. Oops, you know, I'm I'm over 100. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm 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 not naive. I don't think. Wow, you know, if you clean up your diet, everything's going to be butterflies. Um, but uh, I think that it's if you're if you're going to be serious about surviving, if that's the purpose of all of this, not just to get past this crisis with um, the clear is sort of uh, trapdoor spider of pharma combined with, you know, health and homeland security services all rolled together. Um, if we're going to get past that, there are other aspects that we want to clean up. So that's where. Uh, you know, I don't I don't want to be I, I deliver such horrible, horrible news to people that have never heard that research that I've been living with. I, believe me, I know how you what you and Charles are saying. I, I have been hoping to get other people to just have us even a debate, even to just to argue scientific merits or dates or data points for a long time. And in my own community, there's none of it. They They won't touch it. They're just it's kryptonite. So I'm very happy to have finally found, you know, folks that are a willing to do it and B, it, it might really have some relevance in helping with insight on, on how we fix this thing institutionally, because it, it's an institutional problem. Wow. That's that's when I say let it burn. <laughs> Well, um, some things probably do need to have a flash fire. And when if we pull back, you know, if you pull back the curtain and there's so much rot in the wood, uh, it's like, yeah, what, what if you're doing nothing, if you're doing zero percent of the public charter of your institution, if you can go out and read all of the lofty things chiseled in the marble in the lobby, you know, of their mission statement and their guiding principles and all that rubbish. And, and then you come to find out that they're just they're basically a two channel whore. They either take money from pharma to push things through the regulatory gateway or just, you know, just shoo it open, just leave the gate open, say run through children. Or they're in bed with biodefense, doing things that Nixon said we don't do anymore in 1969. Well, yeah, sure, I should mean, we still do it? That, that, that so. came up in the discussion today. Um, and that was that. It was Hoffman. And basically, mm -hmm. basically saying that um, the Russians, the Russians were doing it, we weren't, and I'm. Well, I I think I even made a comment at that point. I was like, ah, if Nick was here, <laughs> he'd probably challenge that that point. And you know, the I, I guess the question you have to ask is, is he lying, or is he is he just that's what he are both it. are both things true they're doing it and we're doing it we've just always just oh, i say we the u.s have always just justified our activities in that space as preemptive as precautionary you know we, we play a semantic game 
and then we go and violate international weapons conventions. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I, I'll tell you this, this doesn't, I'm sorry, but I know some people use a lot of different, um, cultural, uh, we'll say they, they couch these events and they interpret them through a lot of different lenses. And some of them are religious and some of them, they, they tie to satanic influences. The more and more I look into these people, I just see behaviors that little kids display that never got corrected, you know, that got malformed. And I, and I, I'm saying that about what happened during world war II, uh, what happened after the war, what's happening today with the culture war, just everybody getting a little, you know, out of control with their own personal impunity and they want it their way, which is, there's nothing evil about that. It's just human imp impudence. And, you know, it doesn't scale. It doesn't work harmoniously in large systems. Not everyone can be accommodated, you know, and I, I don't think that that means burn it all down. But I think coming back to institutional reform, um, we need to start with Nuremberg and say, look, kids, this is how Nuremberg was a paper tiger. Here are the names of the people that slipped not only right through the Nuremberg you know, trials, but were actually recruited at the trials. They went up and testified, and then they were interviewed by Henry Kissinger and given a nice life and a salary and a place to live in New Jersey at Merck for the rest of their lives. And yeah. what are their grandchildren doing today? You know, that's that's where I want to go. Well, and, you know, I brought this up, I think, in the last stream. I was commenting on um, Eric Weinstein being on Joe Rogan. And mm. the, you know, the general tenor of the stream was okay, but there was this, um, again, I've, I felt that the very strong narrative pushing, which was, um, we have to have amnesty, right? Joe's saying, look, I don't want to be like the people who were, um, you know, losing their shit about what he did. And, you know, he, he obviously had the kerfuffle about ivermectin. And um, and uh, to me, I'm, I'm not prepared to go into that space when I know that there's been such egregious um, abuse from, we know the individuals, we know the institutions, and we know the history now. And... Um, there's a time for being forgiving. And of course, the average Joe on the street, you know, you can't, you can't drag them all up in a net, but for, for sure. Did I say, did I say Eric, maybe Brett Weinstein, uh, Brett. Um, and I'm not, I'm not prepared to take, uh, Joe's advice on this one when, uh, we're, well, we, I, I would say we're still very much tumbling down the hill as a, as a consequence of the actions that have been taken. <laughs> well, I, I so uh, there, there's very little in our lives. There probably, I mean, for most of us, there just isn't anything else you can compare this to. So there's no basis to say, okay, what well, you know, how did I, how did I manage this last time? There hasn't been one of these, and um, I, I think what we're going to see. I made a comment in the raccoon bunker, I don't know, uh, maybe Friday or Saturday, 
And I said, you've all been uh, demographically zero sorted. And what I was, you know, I was, I was being catty um, that based on people's, I don't know if those are genetic predilections in their psychology that made them question and apply critical thinking to this decision about whether or not to take these products, who knows? But as a result of that gene expression, you know, you and I have, have talked about fun vax and all of that, you know, influencing psychology with genetics. Um, they have now essentially um, moved and cleaved the population into those who eventually will comply and those who are just steeled against it that are absolutely, you know, will not. And um, I think that's going to be a fascinating, uh, I think, I think demographically, if, if we talk about the species as in zero sorting, we're going to have phenotypes that are removed from the gene pool as a result of that. If we continue to see the numbers and the fatalities moving in the direction that they appear to be. This last week was pretty shocking for me. These were people that I lost that were my age. Mm. And we're not talking about losing parents or grandparents. And it was sudden and aggressive. And um, I knew the, you know, I knew that there, you know, there'd be incoming. I, I'm, I, you know, when I hear that, that uh, siren going off, I, I would, I've been in this state since the beginning of 2020. Um, and I was really hoping that I would be wrong. We've all said that, you know, we really hope these outcomes don't continue in the direction we think they're going to. So coming back to your point about um, being ready for amnesty, um, I, I tell you what, I support your stubbornness about that. I, I don't, I think you have every right to feel the way you want to feel about how folks have behaved and how they've treated us because it wasn't a slight. It wasn't, I want my candidate to win this election. It wasn't anything so trivial. It was life and death and it was lifestyles and it was families and it was kids. And I, so I, I fully, I fully agree with you that, that, um, that's, it's not a done deal. Um, but I'll tell you at the same time, it's a, it's a difficult, uncomfortable situation because I don't want the division. I think we'll do much better if we demonstrate um, a big brother compassion, not not a not a Disney happy lovey dovey. You know, the end at the end of every thirty minute episode when everything gets magically buttoned up. Nothing like that. Um, I think it's going to have to be. Yeah, you were wrong, and here's how, and here's the shit we are in. I think we're going to have to bring the hurt in in the way uh, that we've all been trying to do, is get the truth clearly excavated and check it archaeologically, and then say, look what we found, folks. And I think that's where it's going to be. It's going to be, um, what do they call that? Tough love. Yeah, um, you know, <laughs> sound melodramatic but you know this in in a sense what what you watched was this century's equivalent of the purges and um the mob being used to um leverage to affect people. yeah to affect policy yeah um, and th they they did it with consummate ease right and you know, everyone, everyone always asks that question. You know, how how did those historical events happen? Whatever your interpretation of them are, those those events did leave a fingerprint 
in the historical record, right? There are piles of bones out in fields and, um, well, if you were, it could gone up in smoke, but the... And, and rain down on Japan, yes. And those... By the way, did you, did you ever go out and take samples of that black rain? Black rain? Yeah, you didn't read about the black rain across Japan that was from all of the incinerators in China? No. But I know my roof's you leaking can, at the moment. You <laughs> can, oh, God, it's leaking in your house. Okay, sorry. Yeah, in the bedroom. My bedroom's fucking leaking. Oh, oh my God. We'll get up there, get some bamboo leaves and some banana leaves and I some know. mud and my, fix your hut, mate. Come my, on. Uh, my house is already ghetto with tarps and... Yeah, like oh, you're oh, you're Filipino. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I didn't. I didn't catch any black rain, and um, you know the 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 issue is like in Japan, everything is uh, sub, uh, not subdued. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, there's not a I don't feel the public discussion, right? And so I, I had uh, a tab. It's introverted. Yes, no. yeah. And, you know, Japan has become the one, one of the most vaccinated countries in the world, right? Mm -hmm. And now, look, it's not, a, it's not huge numbers, right? But they're losing uh, three, three to, three to four hundred a day dead and you know it's it's been in the thousands in other countries with comparable um population sizes but the the data doesn't lie oh no that's <laughs> be careful saying that uh the the, the plots as we have unless them, you're the cdc right lies every day <laughs> But the plots as we have them, and I, I would put forward the premise that Japan tends to, I don't want to say undercount, but they're very conservative in how they categorize um, COVID. It's not, it's not like, you can be pretty sure that those numbers are deaths from COVID, not with. Right. There's no financial bias. There's no incentive to code for COVID. Well, COVID there's, is what you you're know, there, there is some, but again, the uh, the I want I want I want to say there's a there's a, the, the bureaucracies function uh, are functional, right? And, okay. and and so I, I think gaming the system would be uh, seen as dishonourable, and so I don't I don't think there's as much incentive to um to game the data that way and you know the there are japanese drugs that have been approved and i think they're sort of getting preference over um other other brands but the well i i, I guess the point i was making in the stream was that what what we're seeing now in in japan and you know i made a corollary with china it, there's a high possibility that 
that is coming to the Western Hemisphere. Or the Western... It's not, not Hemisphere. Yeah, I guess... To the say. Western world. Yeah, to the to West. The, yeah, yeah. To, to the West. And um, we're... And, and so that will be on top of the mess that we're already dealing with. And... Um, I, I'm interpreting what you're saying as essentially uh, operationalizing the Great Reset. Social controls, social media controls, facial recognition. Uh, is that is that sort of the the bailiwick you're you're talking about? Well, part of it, and um, you know, what's what's the response? How, how do we temper the response this time? Right, because you know the people people are on edge already because they of what they feel has been a swing to extremes with how data has been collated. So obviously they were pumping numbers at the beginning to try to force down that the vaccine pathway, and now we're in a situation where potentially we're seeing what could be a sustained wave of excess death because of those medical countermeasures. I'm not saying it's 100% that. Um, and again, it could be a combination of virus and um, vaccine. Opportunistic infection. Opportunistic infection as well. Um, and so this time we should be ready, right? <laughs> to... to um, to leverage this information to our to our benefit, we know we know they're going to try and gaslight us, but we know that um, we have to be. We're trying to bring this body of evidence to the to the public discussion, and um, yeah, I guess I guess if I had to hone in on something, would be to pull the pull the discussion away from um, just vaccines. Mm-hmm. There's a whole lot there. And the fact that, um, you know, the whole nexus around what occurred in 1986 with, um, you know, the Childhood Vaccination Act, uh, what began there and then just got worse and worse and worse in concert with the changes in public health the real world changes in demographics and numbers of people affected by things that appear to correlate to their vaccination status, particularly in kids. Um, it's going to be the number, you know, you talk about the mama bears, uh, boy, uh, you know, I, I'm around some of those GMO moms that are, you should hear how intense they get just about food and they're dealing with it. They're dealing with the real world health in their family and how it was affected by something in the food supply. But the point being is that um, I think we're going to see a whole lot of sticking on this, on this point. Uh, and there's a whole lot of good evidence and history. The, I, people get tired of hearing me talk about Stanley Plotkin's deposition from 2018. If you're just hearing this and you want a really, really good, interesting insight into the gaps in vaccine safety, go out to YouTube. It's still there. And look for the Plotkin 
deposition. There's a version that's got a time index, so you don't have to listen to the nine hours of, of interview. But it's it's wonderful, and it, it, it can equip someone who is looking for solid information from the patent holder about these gaps for the biological products. But that's where I like the blockchain concept, Kevin, of... Uh, a, it's always too big. It's too big to fit into a single podcast, into a single discussion. It's very difficult to even give proper respect and, and the right amount of detail to almost any individual piece of this. Uh, you know, you pick a product, a disorder, uh, a side effect, and there's barely enough time. There's so much information that needs to be comported. So the blockchain concept of um, people who naturally, like when we met Chris Newby, I mean, that was brilliant. And she uh, she brought me into places that I have never been and will never have access to. I'm not going to know those people or have access to those places. And she she, you know, illuminated the cave. So you let those who, uh, you know, and like myself, obviously, everyone knows, you know, my my pet peeve. Um, you let those people gravitate and really fill in the good data in those spaces. You replicate it. Um, you you lean into simple and um, I, I'll say uh, automated tools like we might have with transcriptions. When you upload a video and if it has an automatic transcription bot running, there's your text right there. Then you can take that and drop it into Microsoft Word and just pick another language. Pick Spanish or Japanese or French or German and it's machine translation. It's not the world's best, but we can begin helping really permeate other countries who need to be doing their own work. That really came to mind when I met Johanna. And it's like, I, I can't penetrate all of that content, A, simply because of the language barrier and because of not understanding, you know, the structure and the dynamics of where the information might be, it would take a lifetime to do it. So we need to let other people help and sort of cluster their stuff together. And there will be an infinite number of, you know, relationship links. There will be a whole lot of concentricity. Yeah. And I guess this, you, you get into the realm of um, data presentation and how to, how to sort of link it all up. So, it, so, so people are feeling that they're, section there um, well, the pain that they're carrying is being uh, documented properly um, I guess there uh, are probably people who could teach you and I and Mark and everybody the way to do that even better I'll bet there I'll bet those people are there oh, and yeah, they sure. you know like the timeline tool that Mark and I keep spinning around we want the ultimate Star Trek timeline tool that just let you pop from a, a very high level, from a storytelling level, down to the finest level of scientific detail that we've got in the archive. And, you know, I've seen things that kind of do part of it, uh, but they're, they're clunky, they're just not elegant, they're not as fancy as I've seen in sci-fi. Um, but there's, there's folks, the point being, there's folks who are gonna bring in great insights, insights like when we met Dr. Mary, that was another blessing. You know, yes. like right on, you know, that's, that was just a great little, uh, not little, that was a, a big uh, addition to the family. So, you know, that's, that's what, that's why I keep with the incessant hope. This is all heavy shit. 
and it's it's traumatizing me again it's bringing me back to the aids era i'm watching you you and other people go through the things that i went you know i went through and other people went through and i never wanted that for the world but um still it's it's like hey you know you look at your kids and your family i look at my loved ones my community and we keep finding you know we keep finding a way to recharge and um and be uh you know what's the next approach what's our new tactic going to be and it isn't about blase optimism it's horrible the the, the work is yet to be done we we still have a war ahead of us it's yeah. about thinking about how what kind of weapons we're going to put together to be effective in that war yeah and that's um just my concern at the moment is that they they're going to use real real blood and guts war um as the distraction in the coming months or uh how it lets the chance hunter biden stuff um any mm -hmm. anything and everything to uh well to to muddy muddy the waters right now and yeah kick the pan down the road people's memories fade and yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, memory hole. Yeah. Um, well, you know, um, I'm, I'm wishing that space could have gone better. I think, I think the uh, the conclusion is we've got, we've got to do our own. Um, whoever that lady was that was um, presenting, she didn't, uh, she didn't drive the the topic enough from from my perspective. And I think I think a week is is too long at the moment. the The landscape just changes too quickly. Um, right now. Yeah. Yes. 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 But okay. So let's talk about that. Something that you and I have kicked around before. Less is more. It's why I've been taking when I you know if I've done a good presentation and I'm like, hey, I did a deck. And this is really kind of a midpoint between the, the timeline and the more scientific level of the 200 material. I'll go in and I will trim it and trim it and trim it. I'll cut out little distractions and, you know, whatever, and, and try to get it to be something that is an instructional unit. I know that's not what you're trying to produce here, Kevin. So we're not, we're not all creating the same um, wares, the same material. But I, 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 I would say that in with this topic you've got to tap like a jeweler you've got to tap 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 gently in the same spot a hundred times and then that hundredth time it will cleave and there'll be the facet in the jewel um but if you come in with a hammer and smash and say i've been traumatized for three years and here's all my emotional vitriol blah and you do an alex jones on people <laughs> a you, you'll get some people who love you right because you can do that you can you know you've got you, you know you know what you are as a quantity as far as being a host and a facilitator and a commentator you can get people to gather around the campfire um, but why do you want them there? And what are you hoping to accomplish? That's the thing that I keep driving all of us to ask. Well, just, and, just the, uh, you know, the title of that stream should have been leveraged better. Yeah, yes, but you could turn on a, a hundred shows right now on the mainstream crap across the globe. 
and find 98% of them are milk toast crap. They didn't say anything. They didn't discover anything. They didn't unveil anything. It, it's just, you know, you might as well have just had a, a camera shot of the clouds going by. Um, you know that, you know, most, most investigation is not biting. It is not aggressive. Um, and it isn't necessarily well positioned to do that. This one, yeah, you you and others are well positioned to ask really, uh, you know, really aggressive and and strong questions about the timeline dating back into the early two thousands about the backstory of all of the patents and the activities over the years, and then you know the bullshit that's happened since twenty twenty. And yes, you you can do it. You can, you, you know, you can, you can once in a while, you can be over on the space side, and then you can be back in your own domain for whatever level of, uh, you know, material or content you want, if you want to have harder discussions about it. But, you know, part of that magic is you've got to keep a Twitter persona that is, um, you know, the, the, you know, the, when companies hear that, that sort of behavior. If you can just keep that account alive, you can tap into that space, have those conversations, and then have your own freedom to be who you want to be, you know, over here. And yeah, I guess I guess that's a, a constraint you need to think about that um, on those spaces that can we well, are, are we going to be allowed to push the envelope? You know, look, if you've got a colonel there who's who's been in that program for 30 years, uh, there was there was so much there was so many missed opportunities there. Um, OK, but also you're I see where you're going, I think. But you, you tell me, are, it, it, you think that you're going to do an expose journalism cutting, biting question on an open, unscripted platform like that and have a defense retiree actually spill the beans? Well, I, I mean, I, you could do it in a more, more sort of inquisitive manner <laughs> just to... Um, gotcha. <laughs> just, just, you know... The, the scope of these programs and you know so they they touched on when did you hear about mrna oh in the 2000s uh -huh. right well yeah uh -huh. you, you know this is when biologics were being sort of touted i don't like back then i don't think it was so much the uh, vaccine space it was more um cancer treatments um you know, oddities in the lab with respect to uh, protein expression. Um, but the, the, the well, mRNA is just one small, one small part of it. And, you know, the, well, even if you were bringing up the issue around, you know, what, what was, what was the doctrine? Right. So, you know, I, I, there was a clip I had where it was a Russian defector and it was in the year 2000. It was just a really I've lost that clip and um, I really wish. What I was could... the gist of it? What did he say? Well, basically, he was being interviewed by the precursor of Homeland Security and they mm -hmm. were they were asking him, were they putting 
snake toxins into uh, viruses, basically. Um, that that was the concern, and um, you know there was, and he he basically said they were trying, if I remember correctly, and um, with the with the underlying premise being that it triggers an immune response in a in a particular way no, that, that was that, beneficial that it was a that they were engaged in a form of uh -huh. gain of function to uh -huh. to um increase pathogenicity okay thank you and the you know if they're asking that question right it mean it means that there was some, I don't know. I don't think it was just a discussion around the drink fountain one afternoon that would bring those questions into um, something official, like what well, was essentially a, like a deposition, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I, th I think the public has a right to know what what the operational. It's not readiness, but um, posture was um, in the U.S. and the colonel saying that oh we were we were being left in the the dust by Russia. Um, it just didn't sit right with me, and so um, it, 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 in my view, it seems like we could we could navigate through that um, and. Uh, Get get more to a ground truth, and um, yeah, the, the opportunity was missed. I see Charles in the back in the chat. Let me see if I can pull Charles in. Uh, add. How do I add? This is a friend um, do you need to do you need to collapse the call and start again m maybe might do it with uh, zoom I don't know I don't know if I, I don't know if uh, if you'll pick this up, yeah, because you got to have the app open on your phone, and unless you've got it all set to notify you, you might miss it. Well, chat him up to see yeah, he's, how he's he wants in to the, connect. He's in the Rumble chat right now. Um... Let me see. He's just dropped the document for. Uh... Yeah, any I'll tell you this Kevin, for me right now the bottom line is anybody that keeps pointing a finger at China including Dr. Huff I'm I'm concerned about that motivation. I I just I, as an American there is nothing meaningful or 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 purposeful or ethical about just creating a war so that we can have a war. You know, I know there's there's a big, long, complicated history of of geopolitics, and we can we can get a PhD in that. But um, 
I'm a little I'm I'm a little suspect of anybody that's coming into the space. Then that's one of the things you're going to encounter in in Twitter uh, is I think a little less sorted than what you've got in this space. You're going to have people that come up for a mic, and it's just going to be a roll of the dice. And there are going to be people who technically and behaviorally are not necessarily, you know, the best for your space. Um, and, there, and there are people who try and hijack it. Um, but also, you'll get connections. You'll get new unexpected connections and resources and data that people will drop in. So I think it's worth uh, moving towards. Okay, what's the deal with Charles? Uh, I am just trying to... I'm going to call him on um, Zoom because I'm not sure I've got the right... Well, Presuming there's only one Rix in the server, but let me just and I'll send you the Zoom. Oh, link. gotcha, gotcha. Um, let's see if he picks up. Uh... See, so, yeah, and you know, there's the uh... yeah. You're you're right. You're right about. Um a deflection towards China right now. That is a major concern of mine right now. Um, you know, the... All right, I've got Charles. Let me um, drop the invite to you into Zoom and uh, into Discord. I will hang this okay. up. Okay. All right. See you in a minute. All right. Uh, yeah, I got you, bro. Okay. Yeah, we. You dry, Did you get? I'm a looking call? for the video. I've seen it before. Oh, the Russian. Uh. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm just trying to find it. Mm. Um, I don't know. I don't know how much of that conversation you um caught there. I literally just got back online because I had to get my hotel room and my phone died. So, so, um, yeah, we, we were, we were sort of breaking down the, um, I heard you talk about like how he, he was focused on China and that was done. Mm, yeah. But we, we, we were sort of covering a, a, a lot more prior to that. So, and you know, the, I, I felt that there was opportunities missed, like I say, as, as we were talking, um, particularly with the subject title of the of the talk, and um, you know, we're, we're, we're sort of yes, uh, for sure. And he, yeah, it was. I mean, I know he's trying to do because it's a series, but. Um... I don't know. Um, who's who's actually organizing that then? I don't like he and the 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 host. I, I don't know who came up with the format, but I think it was him. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. To to give you a two sentence summary was too short, too superficial. And to get that sort of group into uh, a, a space together to be exchanging information, opportunity lost. Well, especially because, like right now, we're kind of.
past that point. It's not really what, you know, it's like last year's stuff. Yeah. But to be honest, I think that's part of the problem is that his, his contributions are, are different and not the same as ours. And ultimately probably not as, I don't want to say not as important, but because there's things he can say that we can't say, but he's he's not been following all of the the like the investigation of the science and everything the way we have. So he he he's he's trying to he's trying to do something, and I understand what he's trying to do, but I didn't really. I didn't really know what it was going to look like until we actually did it. But yeah, having it be like an hour, an hour, 15 minutes and not really, I don't know. I, I think the audience interaction is important. And I think in the spaces, it's, it's good to have them longer and it's good to have deep discussions and still have plenty of like audience interaction as well. Um, because that keeps them, that keeps them more interested, I think. Yes. Um, but more importantly, they're, um, he's trying to, he's trying to treat, I think, treat it like it's a PBS special mm. when that's not what we need. We need, you know, headline news telling us where we are and what we need to know because I mean, if if investigations are ostensibly supposed to start in the next couple of weeks, we have a lot of ground to catch up. Right. And we need people to start hearing words and phrases and things uh, because we we have to limit the fire hose as much as possible. Well, we need to we need to focus the the hose as much as as possible. And like I say, the pulling into the public dialogue that these um this vernacular right the bio warfare <clears throat> lens um it doesn't happen enough right because it it got dismissed so comprehensively over the last few yeah. years um, right at the beginning on purpose because yeah. because those you know, the Frank Cleavage site and the inserts and everything. The reason they had to be dismissed, or oh, I guess if you're going to go that route, is because they're not natural. And the way that they were in there indicated that they were part of a bioweapons program. And so you either have to go with that or you have to ignore it completely. And so they chose to, to smother it and pretend it didn't exist. And they had to keep doing it. Yeah. Now, do I know? I, I can't tell you that the reason, I don't know if Fauci, you know, smothered fusion inhibitors and ivermectin and everything because he didn't want to make the connection to HIV or because he didn't want us to have things at work. <laughs> so it's tough, it's tough to say well but, i think i think both reasons could be uh 
effect here. Yeah, um, I mean, it's not, neither is good. And it, it's, it has to basically be one of those two. So I, I, don't, I don't think we have to, we don't have to know the answer to start asking the question. So, um, you know, you, you, you gave the answer to the, the issue right now, which is we have, to, we have to do our own space with essentially the same title. I mean, like a, like a, a repeat, but it's got to be the, the full uh, focused session. <laughs> like a, um, you know, I, I don't know, like two, three hours of. Um, well, I, so we have to we have to start our series, and we have to do like a, you know, a drastic or a, or just a, like whatever we are, the actual investigators. We we have to be able to have a series where we can where we can talk about different things at different times. Well, and make the, make the link. It spans a long amount of time, and you because you need Nick, and you need Joanna, and you need me, you need you, and you know it, it does get unwieldy when there's too little. Or there's so many people, it's hard to focus. Um, uh, with bioweapons, to me, you have to have Joanna if you can can at all costs because she understands that it was more than just Fauci who was aware of all that. And she can speak to that. And then and, and in a way that, because she's also been a doctor who has treated patients and has seen the harm inflicted by a bioweapon and being forced to treat a bioweapon with non-bioweapon treatments or pretend that it's you know, not aerosol. Um, and, and, and Nick, obviously, I, I don't know how, how familiar Nick is with the 80s, like the later 80s, in terms of the bioweapons research they were doing. Uh, that kind of bridges maybe, uh, like, that might be the gap, or I don't remember your exact like, coverage, but, but th that's starting in the 80s, they were, they were using GP120 as a bioweapon. And so I think when you trace, when you show that that was going on, and you show that everybody knew about it, I mean, Robert Gary was probably involved in it. Uh, Lipkin was probably involved in bioweapons. Meryl Nass thinks so. And so all of these, and Jeremy Farrar, you know, Mintel. So these people, these people are not just scientists. Uh, even Angie Rasmussen, you know, I don't know that she did anything of consequence, but she worked on like six or seven different grants from the DOD at, underneath Lumpkin. So she's, I, I don't think that she's smart, but, but she's definitely guilty. And so, you know, we're all thinking it. We're all thinking it. Play yeah, it I know. Down. I know. Who's going to say it first? <laughs> I'm a little just, well, we're I trying to be grown up. <laughs> we're trying to be grown up. But yeah, no, we, we need it, we need to assert ourselves because, well, I mean, it's clear that we're only going to be able to do so much of that. 
Who's got and... the biggest account? Uh, what do you mean? On Twitter. Charles does. What? I mean, I, I, I probably, I guess, I got like twenty three thousand now. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So, well, it's, it's it's crazy because, like, two years ago I had two, like I had two followers. Actually, yeah, because I didn't have more than two until February sixteenth, when I actually started being active on Twitter. So, I was, I went from two to whatever I have now, and I don't really understand why, because all I try to do is just like interact and put stuff, but I, I don't understand. But I passed Yuri, um, and. I, so I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just sexy and I don't know it, but well, um, whatever it is, people, people are fooled by something I do. So I guess I should keep doing it. So when, thanks, when... thanks Nick for not saying anything. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not going there. Um, you, you, you guys kick that down the field and we'll keep uh, going. Game. Rule one, gentlemen. Thanks, thanks, I appreciate that. Yes. Yes. Uh, rule one. See, hey, I, I, mean, I wouldn't trouble. mind. I, I wouldn't mind getting complimented every once in a while. Jeez, I have feelings. I'm going to now. I have to write sentences on the board after class, Charles. Thanks a lot. <laughs> okay, Professor sorry. McCarran is not happy. Um, I guess. No, I I did not know to your point about uh, bioweapons development in the 80s, 90s, and GP120. Um, I was in the absolute depths of uh, despair and feeling basically like I was on fire. Just at, not every moment of the day, but in general, life was a nightmare in the late '80s, early '90s. Because oh, no, it seemed I know. I like everyone about research. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I didn't. I wasn't. I was. I had yeah. no chops at that point. I, I was just surviving and trying to cope with it. So, um, no, I, I have a blind spot to activity there. But I'll tell you what's immediately comes to mind uh, is the department at the NIH. That I've got now several of their, I mean, I've got a whole pile enough for us to to look at for a long time of the DNA recombinant, sorry, recombinant DNA technology division and their activities. And certainly they don't say, now here's our formula for a new illegal bioweapon. You know, it's not couched like that. It's, it is public content, but they have tables of all of the oncogenic viruses that they were working in. They they categorize them from right. mild to moderate to uh, dangerous. They have, I mean, they've got thousands of pages of stuff that I would assume continues that same public-private perversion that we've seen about masquerade, you know, biowarfare masquerading as public health research. So there's probably a lot of uh, good analysis that could happen there because they, yeah, they're talking about HIV, SIV, all kinds of stuff. They've got catalogs of stuff. Um, well, so uh, that's one thing that people like just that I didn't know, but super antigens of which HIV later, like GP120 was looked at as a super antigen, even though it never really officially went in that category. But super antigens had been a thing since the 50s and 60s because once they found these these toxic, you know, segments. And, you know, if they weren't already in the bacteria, they, they could drop around. 
and the whole purpose is to like overwhelm your immune system. And this was 50s and 60s. And so when you have a when you have the furin cleavage site that's part of a super antigen like sequence, and there were dozens that they that they weaponized, no one basically has said that. No one has talked about it. But it's it's literally when they took the two pieces out of out of the gag, when they took out the middle, and so you had four and four amino acids, and you put them together, that's what they make. So, I mean, and it's, I, I don't know if there's ever say, been so that in nature. So. It, it, it's analogous to a sort of cobalt salting, right? You, you get all those other, you've got all those other nasty epitopes, and then you you give it the sort of <laughs> keys to the kingdom. And it, it becomes a, um, well, it becomes a, a, a chaotic agent. In... Well, right, because uh, so a super antigen, and I'm still I'm still learning, but if if your if your immune system sees a pathogen, it goes in and it turns on like one percent, or like I'm sorry, point zero one percent of its power, and it focuses attention goes to starting the process to raise antibodies and whatever against that virus. A super antigen normally takes up like 20 to 30% of that attention, which is like, there's a reason why toxic shock syndrome is called toxic shock because that's exactly what it's doing. And well, I, so, you know, just just sorry to sort of break your throat, Charles. But no, it's okay. Um, this this is coming on. You know, there, I, there's a sense of urgency now. This sort of class switching phenomenon has dropped, right? And it's in it's right. in the consciousness now. And um, you know, we've 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 gone and injected people with it and it's well you know the impact in the environment again i i, I would presume just that it's going to be synergistic in some in some fashion and i think we're seeing that um in japan right now and and asia in general and so part of part of the discussion i was having with nick is that um this time we should be more prepared for if, if what's happening in Asia now appears in the West in a month's time on top of what what's already happened. How how are we going to be able? How are we going to make sure that this conversation is wrapped around that new data that people people are going to have to be dealing with and. Um, I'm frustrated that we're not, we're not um, you know, we're not we're not getting uh, the coverage that we that we should do right now. Well, there every time that they don't say what needs to be said and point out something that they know, 
it causes collateral damage. And, and you're right. So now, personally, I think that Japan, Japan's surge may be timed a little bit differently because we're already into, like the coronavirus has largely gone endemic. And I just looked at the data today and it's not, we're not seeing the, the rise like we have, which tells me that, that it really just, it's, it's endemic. And in fact, right now, people are sick just in general that it's, it's actually staying stable and it's, and it's staying really low. So it could just be a lack of testing, but I think in general that it may be because the Japanese are more vaccinated enough to the point that it's, that it's easier for the coronavirus to, be, to take the lead there as opposed to here. But then again, I don't, I don't remember how much more vaccinated they are when it comes to like the boosters and stuff. Uh, considerably. Well, so, so it might just be that the only reason that it's not more of a tridemic there is because they're just that much further along in the weakness in the epitope. Well, I mean, I, I, I've got to put it in the context of this class switching, right? So they've gone and done third, fourth, fifth boosters. I'll pull the numbers up from that um, article. Right. And, and so I remember, because right, I, I think it was you that talked about them and so third, third yes, is ninety-one percent. I mean, fourth, eighty-two percent. Fifth, fifty-six percent. Um, so uh, the presumption here is that class switching must be playing a factor, and so that that's going to give us an indicator. I so I see, I see you're saying that. that uh, also, I guess my answer to that then is not that it wouldn't happen in the U.S. eventually, but that as long as it's a, if it's actually become a seasonal thing then we won't see that wave until, you know, you know, next September or something. Do you think that long? I'm not, I'm not so sure. Well, yeah, because the, the, the we're already in January. But we can, so we can see from right the now. previous surges that, that they, they had sort of, well, you know, I guess the question of medical iatrogenic. Right. So impact, yes, but... but remember because there's because there's so many other things circulating around it, it what it may mean is that we here in the United States are not seeing it, it's not IgG4 that's driving this as much maybe I don't know I don't know well I don't, I, does anyone really at this point that the, the... <laughs> well no and and because they're not asking the question they're not funding people to ask the question we're just ensuring that whatever, is happening will kill more people than it should. And the, well, the you know, I guess people listening are like, well, you know, what what do we do? In this, uh, well, what do we do? Um, you you take the vitamins and, and crap, and you, I mean, you don't get jabbed. And the reality is, is we don't actually know because this has never happened on a population scale. Now, I will say that it's not, 
I don't, I don't know where I'm at. I don't, I don't know that I'm necessarily in the doomsday camp, but, but at the same time, if, if the government literally does nothing and doesn't even talk about it, I mean, who knows? Well, you know, I think, I think we're in a um, stage of uh, fatigue, right? With respect to, you know, the public messaging screwed up so badly the first, first round that, um yeah they don't care yeah and um my my concern is is that you know we the the manifestation is you know that it it emerges as sudden deaths right that don't appear to be um, related. covid related right unless unless they're really going and and looking for it and unless they get turned into a meme on Twitter, in which case it's very clear. Yeah. But I mean, it's so, <laughs> it's so disturbing because I mean, you're right. They've been able to, um, you know, whether it's vaccine related or in terms of like cardio or whether it's some of these other mechanisms. <laughs> I mean, it's, we're still, not there yet in terms of having the public debate be where it needs to be. And I mean, how many people do you think have died suddenly? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what, what seems to be a consistent number across multiple countries is that there's around 10 to 15% uh, increase in excess mortality. I wouldn't put that down just to lockdowns a year ago. Uh, there's none of this is lockdowns mm. because the whole concept that our immunity would be re reset after two years is is bullshit. It's yeah. just bullshit. How, how did, does your immune system reset when you go home for the weekend? You're home yeah, there. It, it's, it's, you know, this is the dumbest thing we've ever seen because when we had uh, after the flu pandemic, like the, like they had more waves and stuff, but they didn't have, you know, diphtheria and typhus killing people in 1920. Well, I mean, they did, but not in like stupendous numbers. So it's not like there was this deficit that had to be made up. Um, they, it's an excuse because they're trying to destroy, the, they're trying to smother the temporal correlation. And erase the control group. That's what the booster push was, is if everyone has a compromised and shifted biology, first of all, what would happen right. to the blood supply? And and how do you, you know, it's that's well, the late. same principle. Yeah, they've been, it's the principle they've been using for vaccine trials for years and years and years that Stanley Plotkins concedes on the stand in his deposition, that instead of giving the other half of the cohort an actual inert saline injection, they gave them a, a vaccine, another product that has its own level and, you know, essentially a median of <sighs> adverse event and reaction. So they compared an apple to an apple instead of an apple to fucking an orange. Satan. Well, oh, fucking Satan. Sorry. Well, uh, and, and, but the, 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 it, it, it comes down to this. So let's, let's practice for when we have our own cutting edge expose journalism spaces that don't get Charles nuked off of Twitter. Um, here's a question. 
um, Charles, in in the 1980s, when uh, all of the HIV discovery had happened and there was a big buzz and a change, can you describe, if you're if you're aware, how the U.S. Army was allowed to take an isolate of mycoplasma? It's a very specific variety, mycoplasma oh, yeah. incognitus, and mm -hmm. patent it. Because you're not, as I understood it, allowed to patent nature. So whether this Wait, came out when of was this? When was this? This was in, I think, 1985 or 84. The U.S. Army and other parties were named in a mycoplasma patent. I can pull it up. Okay, so but it was, the, and it names in the patent that it was isolated from an AIDS patient. I'm like, how, right. how in the hell did you patent that mycoplasma unless you had a hand well, in creating it? And how did it get in that patient? So if I remember correctly, <laughs> if I remember correctly that Supreme Court ruling is more recent. Yes. So it's possible that uh, back in 85, they were able to get away with that. Gotcha. Because I want to say that it was like, it was sometime afterwards that that they that they ruled. I would have to go back and look. There was a, I actually took patent law in my MBA program, and but I'd have to go back and look because I don't remember. But I want to say that that... Yeah, the the, the rulings that, that was, that was the, done in yeah. I think twenty twelve I think was the, okay, uh, and so prior to yep. that it was the wild west with trying to um, patent genes and um, got it. Okay, it's what some of the behavior that be that predicated the new legislation. All right, thank you. Yeah, and I think there's I think it was like a a process of back and forth over the years, but but my straight up assumption would be during that time they could and i think that's another part of the problem is that uh, <laughs> you, you, well the fact that there's money in this at all is is sickening because of course if you create if you can patent something that only exists for the purpose of biological warfare or you know ostensibly to test you know, to make sure you can protect against it um well i mean what is your incentive going to be because you can have a much larger uh a pool of of you know of people that you work with if you're doing something offensive like this vaccine you know if you create this awesome vaccine against this crazy coronavirus and it's patented. Well, what, what? So, what do you do with it? And it, I don't know. It seems like you're you're begging them to come up with these new things, just so they can create the fear, and then hopefully we, we have to trust that they don't, you know, mess up and it becomes worse or out of control. No, or, this you know. is exactly what President Eisenhower was warning against. We both know. Well, yeah, I mean, well, is, it wasn't the only thing, but, but it was no, one of them. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but to create so yeah, the the unwarranted power. You know, the it, it's just creating mm -hmm. a problem so that you can come in as the big brother and fix it. And no, there's nobody else that can fix it the way we can. Um, okay, well, of next course, hard if you design it, huh? yes, if you design <laughs> the problem and you yeah. have the solution, then by definition. I mean, it becomes extortion, is what it is. But 
uh, but equitable. Yeah. I sure, yeah. I mean, but I mean, maybe if you if you kill more white people or something, then you can get you know support from Democrats. I don't know, but anyway, I feel like you like so, to say so something. You always going to say next next hard hard hitting expose question since we're practicing for our, for our space. I can do this all day. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, we, we have a, uh, a, a, at this point, an intractable combination and, uh, you know, it's soup. You can't Sorry. unmake soup between our NIH and the Pentagon. How do we yes. tear that Velcro apart? Go. Well, uh, the the answer is uh was because uh, um so well unfortunately the, when it comes to this it's the intelligence agencies that are driving the bus because mm. they've it, it's not public health because public health was always I mean it's asinine this notion they've subsumed that, public health as a subcategory of biodefense is that what you're suggesting well. It, for, well, first of all, the the deep state has kind of wrestled biodefense. Like they've taken biological weapons away. Well, I, th I think this is like DOD. Mark's um, thesis, right? That that, that there's a, a, a new struggle taking place in the bureaucratic apparatus. That I would say that's fair. The Pentagon is um, essentially. Uh, um, that's old news, right? It's it's the. I, I haven't heard him discuss this, mm. but I can I can kind of guess that what it is is that he's saying that the Pentagon has always been, you know, it's gotten the meat and the potatoes, but by merging with Silicon Valley, the deep state has outstripped it. It it can do, it can do intel and info warfare, and it can do basically everything that. Department of Defense can do, and it's aided by the fact that it's all for you know for decades it's been using illicit money through drug trades and all sorts of crap, and so it just adds to its black budget, and so you have Silicon Valley money and drugs and all sorts of crap, and even printing money like we have, the DoD. Can only compete so much because it, the DoD doesn't control all of this. Again, doesn't control all the humans, and so it. And as the balance of power moves away from having giant planes with giant bombs, um, the DoD is not placed to to take the lead in that. And that's that. I would say that we look at it as a public health problem. But I would say that the real problem is that it it's not public health, it's it's the intel community, it's the deep state that's it's asserting itself. Cause it, the deep state took over the biological weapons program, you know, in, in Ken Naomi from the DOD after nineteen sixty-nine. And they kept dabbling with it. And they didn't do large scale. But the problem is now that nothing is large scale. So it almost makes me wonder if if the CIA was funneling money 
into Wuhan because the DOD wouldn't share its own coronavirus research. And so the CIA was trying to stay competitive in that realm by, by hitching a ride off of the Chinese and Barrick, which, which is disturbing. But I mean, and don't forget, Johanna brings up that there's a German virology lab right across the city. And a third. Of course, from 2009 to 2017, they were working yes. on a bunch of immunology product projects, including HIV things. And there are a lot of ties, and you're right. And so if you know, if we see maybe it's five eyes or whatever it is, the the Intel community has the upper hand because it is Google integrated, has all the social media integrated. And like in, in Britain. You you have uh, you have units that do this work that are part of the military, more so than than like Intel like MI five, and so there's a there's a little better balance there. But the Silicon Valley was born out of our, like, well, I mean DARPA, but but it was born out of our intelligence capability, and so I don't know. I mean, when you have when you can tap. Um, Wikipedia told me that the internet was born from the colleges and universities. So I, I think I might have to, <laughs> sorry, just being a jackass. <laughs> sorry. Right. Well, okay. Whatever. <clears throat> I mean, <laughs> if, yeah, it, it, it's sad, but I, I think that yep. that's where we are. And I, I don't know. I think that the military is in a losing battle and that's scary because the military has always had the upper hand because it had the guns and the bullets and the beef have the actual soldiers that could that could occupy the force and the cia doesn't even really have to be paramilitary anymore they can just be straight dicks well how many paper clips went right into the cia charles do you know have you studied that i mean i, I i've studied that i haven't studied like the number okay but yeah, were... i don't have lists it's all it's all little cameos and anecdotes i would say i would say that there's so much that went to the space program and to biological weapons. Well, mostly from Merck. Japan, but and, well, there's people from Merck and but I don't think it, that was the point. I, I really don't think it was until the sixties and seventies when they started killing presidents <laughs> that they, once they asserted themselves, they've kind of gone just went crazy. And what we're seeing now is the end result of, the the turning the massive shift into the left away from nationalism and towards like left wokeism inside our intelligence agencies which is probably the dumbest and most dangerous if there's any part of our government that could that could make that shift i would say that's even more dangerous than having the military just become straight woke tard because okay so sorry go ahead no no i'm done i'm done I was going to say, let's let's uh, let's opine. Let's reflect on Kevin as a case study. Okay. Hey. So, so, um, um, a, a, a citizen of another country uh, with a, a unique demographic path, different experience with different religions, different influences in his neighborhood when he was growing up. There was no way that you know anybody could predict where he would end up demographically in the world, but. 
he reacts and has a an antigen response um, when a certain woke culture is pushed out in images, particularly uh, photographic images. Um, the you know the trans uh, head of you know the 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 is it she's a she he is a, in a defense uh, uh, church. Seat. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Oh no, no, not the church, not the British, uh, not the British vicar at vicarette, vicaresque, vicar, vicarish. I'm not sure. Okay, vicarish. Um, you've heard of you've heard of licorice. Here's the vicarish. So, um, okay. I, 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 but as far coming back to what we're what we're talking about, not not to dissect Kevin, my he's, he's got every right to have every feeling and every conviction and every every action. I'm thinking about specifically the CIA or whoever else is is using the current PowerPoint deck, because you know that's what it really boils down to. It's that freaking two-dimensional um, of pushing all this rainbow stuff, not because they have any, they give two rats asses about gays, lesbians, bisexuals, or transgenders, but because yeah. they know it will affect a bifurcation socio sociologically, that it will start to Extreme. polarize certain people, move certain people towards extremism <laughs> potentially and violence. And not that that's the big master plan to take care of everything, but it's just one more bullet point in the playbook to wedge people. What do you think? And I definitely think wedge, nudge. Um, yeah, that's a... All that's happening is it's happening because. Well, can I, I, I let's take a thirty thousand foot view of this, right? Sure, sure. And th this is th the concept that um, this deep state apparatus, for whatever reasons, has gone to um, war against its own populace. Or I, I don't know whatever mm -hmm. whatever it whatever uh, it feels it needs to do to affect change, um, what what its end goals are and who's pulling its strings. Um, there's there's language. There's very specific language. If we're going to be historically accurate, it's called full spectrum domination. Mm. That's their language. Their their objectives, not mine. Mm. And uh, in achieving those goals. They, um, you know, they've got a, a playbook, and they're um, it's being implemented in ever, um, ever faster strokes of the brush, I guess, on on the canvas. The um, the the bigger issue here is that regardless of the tactics they're using, it's the point that they have gone down this pathway. And now, now we're in a situation where, um, I, I, like I say, we're in a highly unpredictable environment. Um, I get that's what they're trying to achieve. It's destabilized perception. And so you become easier to nudge, I guess, is a, a good, good turn of phrase. And, um, yeah, I guess, I guess the, it's, What's their end goal? That they they want the surveillance, the the full spectrum dominance I, I, means surveillance, right? I know what the end goal is. It's it's actually not that complicated. If because you have to remember that these people, they've be kind of you have to look at Silicon Valley and you have to look at from their perspective 
because the Intel community or you know whoever these deep state people are, they know that by latching themselves onto these technologies, they can they can win the race, or at least they have it's much easier for them to do that. And so there's no there's zero incentive for them to to shift from social media to shift from um, you know Google because the power that they control just election I mean if you guys have seen I think it's Richard Epstein but um, I mean Robert Epstein I don't know it's, it's an Epstein unfortunately but he's his, his research that he's done on search engine uh, manipulation has been excellent and I he has come across he, that I mean, it, I mean, he's been on Joe Rogan and other stuff, but the, his peer-reviewed papers, he's got a series of them that he's still uh, researching. And like, there's a whole story, but the bottom line is, is that the, the amount of power that they have is, is so disturbing that, it, to me, it's, it's completely within the realm of possibility that, that you know, people who are... Con- who are being pushed into the more conservative arena, they might be 60% of the population, but they don't know it because they they don't see that. They don't see it at election time. They don't see it on the media. They don't see it anywhere. And so they, I mean, it, 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 it it's causing this, it's, it's continuing the bifurcation, but it's, I think that, it it might be far more far less of a problem like i think there is an actual majority and it might not be like conservative but it is common sense and I, i'm terrified that that they've had this ability and well so the bottom line is i bring all that up because this is a sprint for them i mean i they they came to the Marine Corps, and I went through several symposiums with a bunch of officers, and they were talking about the future and all this kind of crap. But this is a sprint, and they want to win. They want to be, whether it's, we call it the singularity or just, they want to maintain themselves at the forefront because they know that once it reaches the point where you're, you're in the lead and you you have this brand new technology that nobody else has. Um, that that's when they can really clamp down. And we don't. What well, it could be a combination of technology, whatever. But they want to win that race. They want to beat China. They want to beat whoever else. I mean, it might be a consortium of people trying to prevent China. But the problem is, is that they're not doing it necessarily with Western values in mind. But that's their goal. That's their only goal. Their goal is to do whatever it takes to remain in control of everything so that way when that day comes, they can keep control with which must, with much less effort. That's the goal. Uh, and just in the chat, it's, it's you know this word keeps coming up, eugenics, right? And testing and... Um, a, a corollary. Of... I don't even think it's that. I, I don't think it's that because if if you really understand technology and you've tr- tracked it over the last fifty years, what you've seen is that, for instance, crop yields have 
been reduced or been raised 100-fold, which means 100-fold less land to produce the same amount of rice. And, and this is happening in all different areas of technology. I think that they know that this, that this, all this climate change shit is bullshit. They know that the, they don't care about that shit. They're not concerned about running out of energy because they're confident that we will invent the sources of technology to be able to do it. And to be honest, I agree with them. Like, I'm not concerned about those things because I don't think those things are existential. It's, well, I, it's I, the technology I, itself that's existential. The, so a, an offshoot of eugenics is life extension for them, right? Of course. And the, well, I guess, I guess you could, you know, where, 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 what's the trajectory here? And, you know, is it some brave new world type dystopia? Well, and... it's a different, what they want is to, this is such a great, oh man, I'm not going to go through all this now, but, but I'll go ahead and just kind of like enter, enter it because it's pretty much at the point where we got to start talking about it. Um, this is exactly why all these little technologies that they've been suppressing during the pandemic. Because if, if they really just want control, it doesn't benefit them. It certainly doesn't benefit them to give us the power to hold them accountable. And so the power to withhold technologies, and the more they do that, the greater the disparity becomes and the harder it becomes for us to fight it because we don't we don't actually understand what exactly we're fighting. It's incredibly unfair advantage, and there's zero incentive for people who are gaining that at an accelerating rate to give it up. So well, it's absolutely I, a question. I, of I would say that's writ large just right now with respect to the in the context of biowarfare. A lot of people just can't keep up with the technical demands of understanding what's being what's being deployed against them, which is why I think you see the the reflex towards oh it it can't exist right a sort of flat eartherism of um the right the biology and um if if that's already in play then of course they can they can continue to accelerate down a path where yeah they they hit that singularity horizon uh, and maybe they already have i don't know um no they, they haven't uh, we, we would know we, because um there would be no reason for them to hide it <laughs> if, if they had because there would be nothing we could do like i mean but i mean the the, the that pervasive sense of uh, helplessness is that is that not an expression of that the, they're sitting on <laughs> um yeah i i think so but now i suppose it's possible that the reason for the arrogance that we've seen during the pandemic i guess i guess it's possible that what that it's fueled by the sense of superiority that they know something that we don't I mean, they're so fucking stupid. And, you know, if, if I can figure some of this stuff out, I mean, I, I really hope that 
that they've not already. I really hope it's just that they're arrogant because, and I think that's what it is. But the problem is, is that the reason that they're arrogant, I don't, I don't think it's because of technology. I think it's because they know that the deep state will protect them. And so there's a sense of invincibility. And just like in uh, Plato's Republic, everybody talks about the, the allegory of the cave, but the one that strikes the most to me right now is the ring of Gyges, where a guy finds a ring that makes him invisible, kind of like the one ring. And he gets so used to being able to walk around and do whatever he wants. And he can, he can stand in the corner, he can, he can point and laugh at people, he can steal their food, fondle their women, you know, whatever he wants to do. Yeah, that would have been top of my list before uh, standing in the cup. Sorry. <laughs> right. But then, but then, if I remember correctly, one day he, he, he loses it or he, he doesn't realize that he doesn't have it on. And so like the emperor with no clothes, he, you know, he's, he's sitting here and doing all these things, not realizing that people can see him. And to me, that's Fauci. Like, mm. that is somebody who has, at the beginning of this pandemic, he was given this power and he knew that they were going to protect him. And so he did whatever the fuck he wanted. And, I, I, you know, I, I think that the, everything that we've seen in the FOIA requests, you know, JC thinks that they only release it because, you know, they can. Uh, no, I don't think it's true at all. I think they're arrogant pricks who didn't care because they thought they could get away with anything. They thought that the science would occlude their tactics. They thought the public well, that, couldn't potentially ever get through the well, not because amazing it, because it's not even you know, detail of our science. Well, but because think about it. Look at what Roby has done in trying to, you know, he, he's come to be their, the savior of the, of the proximals by saying like, stupid arguments. And every time a paper comes out now, there's 10, 10 of us on our side just ripping a new asshole into it. And it doesn't matter because it still gets printed in science. Mm-hmm. After, after nine months of us telling people, yeah, this is fucking dumb, and here's all the flaws. The science editors didn't care. Mm-hmm. They just printed it. Why? Because, because Fauci was still there. All these people were still there. And Fauci was protected, and everybody knew it. And so it becomes arrogance. And so they know that as long as they continue to lie, that the only way that it can be overcome is if, is if they lose the favor of their protectors. Well, you know, this, uh, go ahead, please. Well, this, this just for me falls into the domain of them, um, being able to cleave off, um, parts of their network as damage control. And, you know, the, the, the analogy you made to, um, we're in a sprint, um, yes, very much so. I feel, I feel that, um, you know, the, well, whatever, wherever you want to take the start of the race, the the firing gun has has gone off, and we we're not we're not focusing on where the finish line actually is. There's too many. There's too many um, 
disparate lines right now that are that are pulling pulling for attention and um you know it's like, please was, cue the benny cue the benny hill music yeah yeah right um but the you know i would point to um colonel hoffman in in the discussion you had earlier where he you know he just drops that yeah we knew i was in meetings early with respect to um sars being a recognized entity right um okay so uh the 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 conversation could have you know stopped at that point and said okay we're, we're drilling in here what did you know how, how much of the pathophysiology did you know at that point how much does it you know favor hypotheses that are put forward by ethical skeptic for example um i think that's a really um good uh well, I, I've talked to Andrew about this because obviously he he said the same thing basically in his book. And he, he talked about you know analyzing um, sulfur patterns in the air based on smoke coming from uh, cremator crematoriums and and I, th I don't want to say that it was like Octoberish, but the bottom line is, is that they didn't they didn't know the sequencing because if they well. <laughs> I don't believe that they did. Now it's possible that other people in our government did, but but I, I don't think that at, at that level, because you have to understand that if it, if there were actors outside of China that were that were also involved in this, or that were the ones who caused it in China, um, it probably wasn't Andrew Huff. You know, it's not, Andrew Huff wouldn't know those people. He wouldn't he wouldn't be in that circle, um, and. So I think that I wasn't too concerned about what they'd be able to add to that particular discussion because because I know that Andrew knows him really well, and if I, I when when we, when we had our conversation, I, I didn't get the sense that he 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 knew much. Like it wasn't like he had that much more information than anybody else. He they just knew something was there, and they knew China wasn't talking. And you know, so well, but that, but it opens it opens the possibility that all all kinds of um, how would you say mechani mechanisms kicked in that uh, you know. I mean, if if we took if we took for example uh, the idea that. Um, the vaping illnesses, right? Because I, I, I still think that that's a data point that needs clearing off the table one way or the other. And to me, that's an easy, easy data point to get if the will is there. Right. Well, okay. Remember, so let's just go ahead and clarify. Um, people need to understand we have had the capability and we currently have the capability to go back and test athletes who were in Wuhan from October 2019 or people who got sick or set samples from people who had Ivali in the earlier in the summer and then in the fall. Okay. We could know definitively the answer to that question. Why? Because we could know when they got it 
we could know by doing a saliva test, we could know when they but we could know what strain it was, or at least verify if it was the earliest strain that we've record of or if it was something before. I'm sorry, strain, variant, whatever. Um, and we we could do that for all of the athletes in Wuhan. We could do it for all of those Evoli cases for which we still had samples. And we could definitively answer that question today. And we were able to do that since at least 2020. And why didn't we? Because that technology was presented by DARPA to Dr. Fauci, and he said, fuck no. He didn't say fuck. I don't think he said fuck, but but he... It flashed across response. his frontal cortex. It, it flashed across his frontal cortex. He said, yeah, ooh, that's a great idea. You mean we could have... We could have basically 100% accurate um, diagnostic tests and prognostic tests. So we can not only know if you have it uh, or if you're infected, we could know before you got sick, if you were going to get sick or how sick you were going to get. And but I, it, I want people to understand. It, it falls into the issue of, you know, this idea that they've got uh, a cabinet full of technology that they could unroll, and you know, but, right? But okay, but they don't. So, so here's. But what I want people to understand is what I just told you. That is true, and that is related to technology. That was the original reason that I was contacted before Diffuse was found. Okay, and I've not talked about that publicly. And there's reasons, but we're we're, we're going to need to start doing that pretty soon. You, people need to understand that the lying and the gaslighting extends to all of this. And, and so now the reason that we, that we didn't talk about this and we, and we went with Diffuse is because at the time, Diffuse seemed like the, it was a more obvious thing that needed to be published. But in the long term, as I look back at it, um, I couldn't. I couldn't release that information without also releasing how I knew it and how I knew that Fauci had rejected it. But I can assure you that we'll be testifying about that. And that's, that's another... See, every time we think about this now, we have been... We've been get this false premise that, that we don't have the capability to know the answers to these questions. But, but it goes even beyond what Kevin said when he's like, okay, yes. I mean, if we had the will, we could. And he's right. Of course, he and I have talked about this, but, but we could have answered this immediately. And, but it's beyond that. We could have known. <laughs> we could have had home. There, there were companies, including one called, it was Fluidime. I think it's, it's like standard tools or something now. Um, there are companies who brought forward contracts to HNHS and NIH in mid-2020 to make these tests, to start distributing them to replace PCR. And Fauci didn't do it. Now, of course, why would he not do it? Because if you could take a test that you knew was accurate, that could tell your doctor everything you needed to know, then they couldn't control you. And that's it. They couldn't control you. 
which just so, which lends credence to the fact that the at some level they've made the decision to know, wrap it in the WEF um, uh, archetype. That you know, I mean, whatever banner, whatever banner it is, it's not it's not science, hmm. and that's the problem. And of course, that's one of the reasons why um, I've been so mad with JC is because he knew that, and so. He, he, I had told him that, that, that why would, why would they release Diffuse if they also gave me the, the knowledge on how to test it and falsify it if it wasn't true? It'd be retarded. And, and there's different, there's a, we could go into like how that would work, but the bottom line is, is that, um, it was asinine. So, um, no, they wouldn't have done that. Th those are two things that the intelligence community would not have released because the intelligence community was right there with Fauci. They were approached. The FBI was approached. Why? Because you could use this to, for crime scenes because you could use it to for temporal, like, forensics and crime scenes. Because once once people really understand this technology, so for people, for people that are listening, just to, just to clarify, this is this is to do with okay. So epigenetic. this is epigenetic yeah. epigenetic signatures, and it's one of the things that people call it. And the bottom line is is that every time your body is invaded by a virus, or there's a cancer that's growing, or there's a trauma that that your body's chemical processes respond to it your body turns on and off different parts of your of your like different genes along your chromosome and it leaves little markings on them it's called methylation and through and it does this for all sorts of things there's methylation markers to tell you if you have ever been a smoker so in the very what about future, vaping? I'm sorry. Um, in the very near future, insurance companies, this is actually going to be a big thing that nobody knows yet, but insurance companies are going to be able to tell if you've been a smoker or not. So you, like, you can go get a lung test and maybe you didn't smoke that long. Well, th they will be able to read your genomes on your cells and know that you're a smoker <laughs> or have been in your lifetime, Okay. They will be able to know, they will be able to diagnose cancers that are growing long before you can see them because they will, as you keep looking, as you amass data, as you amass the data and the, the amount of these signatures, you can read them more accurately and more accurately. And that's part of the crime here is that we've already, there's peer-reviewed papers now that nobody knows about where they've already been able to tell asymptomatic from symptomatic Pro uh, diagnosis and prognosis. Hey, you just got infected. I can tell that four days before PCR, and I can tell you if you're gonna have a serious case or not. Imagine if your doctor had that information. Well, guess what? He could have. So if you know somebody that died because they didn't get treatment in time, talk about the doctors, talk about the frontline doctors being pissed off that early treatment. They could have had early diagnostics and they could have had them 
two years ago. And well, Fauci the, 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 the frustrating thing about that right now is that we could be applying the technology to all these mystery yes. cases. See, that this, are... is, this is another thing. I've been talking. <laughs> well, you've probably seen some of it, but I've been talking to you know, our select little crew and, and also to a certain you know, DARPA friend of mine, former DARPA friend, and it took time to really grasp what this means because this goes beyond even testing or, or forensics being able to identify. You could you'd be able to tell if your injury, if, if your myocarditis came from the shot or if it came from the virus. Because over time, they would, they would learn the signals well enough that they could differentiate even if they had never seen you in your life. Over time, you build up a database big enough you'll get that accurate. And, well, and so uh, um, not only, not, this is actually keeping us from being able to investigate and figure out these problems and then fix them, which is just another crime against humanity. I was, I was just going to add that maybe, um, maybe all the aggressive PCR testing was just part of the building up of that database. Um, I mean, it, it, that's actually it's a possibility. I mean, because obviously, building they're doing this somewhere. Yes. I mean, it's obvious that they didn't just forget about this. Because I mean, I have a list of like eighty papers from just the last like six or seven years, showing where they've learned. Hey, we now know the methylation pattern for um, gastroenteritis for just all sorts of like everything. And eventually, they'll be able to do this for anything that your body responds genomically to. Um, I mean, the technology is incredible. And, they, and DARPA actually tried multiple times to get the HHS and Fauci to fund um, these, these tests, these, these rapid tests that could go into stores. And and he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. Disturbing. So obviously, wherever they are gathering this information, they're not sharing it. And you know, it's ironic that, in a way, it could it could explain in a way that I think is more logical. Um, this the sampling idea that JC has, because I mean, personally, I don't I don't think that. The genetic diversity at eight billion versus eight point five billion or versus seven point five billion, I don't think that it's that. Like, I think they're going to have enough. AI is going to have enough to work with if they want to, you know, really fudge around with it with the data. I, I don't think that's it. I think that this is far more valuable because because eventually they'll learn. They don't know how exactly yet, but eventually they will learn how to unmethylate so say that your epigenome is is marked and and ultimately that causes damage and that reduces the life of that cell and so y your age that your that those parts of your body cells are going to live is, is going to be less than otherwise would have been because it causes damage they can be able to reverse that or at least stop it like okay wipe the marker clean people don't understand the scale of this 
Well, every day it wraps into the. I I wake up. I wake up and I'm watching like all of this shit. You know, and I'm seeing the fact that this IgG stuff is happening, and and all this stuff is happening, and while all of this is happening, and they're not telling us where this all came from, they know that they could be working towards actual actual solutions, and they're not. Well, this is maybe they are working to it. Maybe you know it's part well, right, of it. but but it doesn't matter because they're not tell- they're withholding it from us, and that's sick. And I think the only way that we can, like, to be honest, the real way that we can be liberated from all of this crap is to have that technology as well. I think that's the only way. I, I think if we allow this this breach, it, it will get to a point that we can't compete. Yeah, uh, and, you know, it's kind of Elon Musk's thesis, right, that um, we have to be, I, I don't know, like the AI component, the computing side has to be, um, I don't know, open sourced and um, we have to be, well, it can't be hidden from us. I mean, when I think about Elon Musk, it obviously he's complicated, but I think that he was willing to buy other people's money, <laughs> mostly. But he he was willing to take a massive amount of investment and buy Twitter. And for whatever reason, um, he at least understood that time is short. I think that's really what, what, what this is about. I think he understands that, that whoever is in charge now, like they're not smarter than we would be as a, as a group. And, and maybe, maybe he's <laughs> in some weird charitable way. He, he realizes that, that it's such a dangerous path that, that he wants to, Help level playing field. I, I don't know. I don't. Know. Mm. But, well, uh, but he obviously he, it's obviously important to him. So I, I saw a good um, discussion, which was the uh, it, it's the corralling of uh, well that you, you talked about the bifurcation and the the different uh, political domains in the U.S. and it, it, maybe this is a very U.S. centric way of looking at it but um you know peter Thiel, elon musk uh close and you know with trump and truth social they're um that they're looking to cleave off and uh, I, I don't know it, it maintain the maintain the shadows on the cave wall for uh, a good proportion of the population and you know the I, I don't know we're straying a little bit from a, a sort of core topic but um, I would yeah I, I guess the question is uh, would that be a factor in in <laughs> where we're going right now I well I've I'm not a big fan of Plato I think that uh people don't realize that he's always like 
authoritarians have always liked Plato because they love the concept of a philosopher king because they think that they're the philosopher king. And it's natural for people who are, <laughs> who are in charge to, to feel entitled to this position. But at least back then, there was a sense of noblesse oblige, whereas now, they don't give a fuck. And so I, 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 I don't... Humanity is so much richer and more vibrant and better than what represents us at places like Davos. We, that is the worst of us. Those slime creatures who have, they've so developed this sense that they, that they can't possibly, they can't possibly be the capable of the type of leadership that, that they think they deserve. They're just evil and they're pathetic. They've demonstrated their, their incompetence and, and hubris just sold, sold out everyone's free will and autonomy and, you know, they're not, they're, they're not nations and identities. Yeah. They're not winning through their, through their goodness or their greatness or their, the fact that they are casting a vision. that's so awesome that everybody wants to follow it and believe it. They are winning by stabbing their own humans in the back and calling themselves superior because of it. And that's not superiority. It's it's sin. It's disgusting. Who, uh, who it's, is the and, little weft? Who is the little weft Chihuahua? The little bald, weird one that gets out there and talks Yuval about Harari. Uh, yes. So yeah, I mean, it, it are, are they purely avatars? Are they are they put forward more as a caricature? As are they clowning themselves as an organization? And there's you know Kissinger is just in the back. <laughs> it's I, 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 they couldn't be drawn or 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 written more ridiculous and well, you know, sitting that's... sitting and talking about oh you're just going to give you're just going to forget harari said i last most recently heard him saying you're just going to it's very important that you just forget how the world used to be basically was his message and i'm like we're, we're going to start with you do you understand wow. we're going how to inspirational yeah yeah <laughs> and this this is my um issue here is that it it seems too cartoonish and so yes so um i'm well that's because it's when you when you're in a vacuum for a long period of time you start to lose sense of of of, of how far you've you've drifted from whatever it is that used to be normal and i think normal that, <laughs> that's sensible common well, yeah, sense I mean, normal i mean they don't they it's it really is hubris and and to think to me, like, like the, the one thing that has always driven me, or since probably since I was 20, was that I wanted to ensure that however much we progressed during the time that I was alive, that whatever we progressed into was dictated by the values of civil society, of Western civilization, not, you know, Maoist China. But the truth is, is that it's our own Western governments who are doing that because 
they've been lulled into the sense of, well, in order for us to maintain our grip on power, um, the people are more accessible to us. They can see that we're full of shit. So uh, we can't, we can't win this in a normal way. So we have to gain the system. And that's a violation of, of capitalism. It's not capitalism. It's not, it's not freedom. And I mean, this is why, this is why I always focus on one thing, whatever the most important, thing is in, in terms of what I've been doing for COVID because, because I know that if we start on that road toward justice, that is the only way that we can possibly find some sort of semblance of, of life out of this. There's no victory in um, being put into cattle cars and put into smart cities and chipped with IDs while they reap the benefits of technologies that, that they've, they've gained by, by siphoning off the labor of, of people who are better than them. Because I would, I, I honestly believe that. I believe that, that the waiters, you know, at the slummiest slum place in, in Phuket are, are better human beings than those people. And I would rather them be lead our lead us into the future than that pile of scum. So, you know, it, I, I think that by focusing on what matters, they cannot, no one can come to you and say with a straight face that something is more important than justice for millions of people. Now, they can try to, they can try to distract you, but they can't say that you're wrong for that. They can't say that you're controlled opposition for that. They can't say that you're a limited hangout. If if all if if you say, I am doing this because we deserve to know the truth. Because because more American males between the ages of 25 and 49 died in the second half of 2022 than died in 13 years in Vietnam. So we, we lost the Vietnam generation in six months. What a number. And, and they are insulting us. They are insulting us by telling us that we should focus on January 6th. We should focus on you know, some classified papers at Biden's or that we should forget and, and, and just leave pharma alone or, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, tell the deep state that it's okay. No, fuck that. Yeah, this is this came up earlier whilst uh, you you dropped off, and you know there was a discussion between Brett uh, Weinstein and um, Joe Rogan, and the, it, it was a sort of a, a, again a plea for sort of amnesty from Joe Rogan, saying you know we've we've had enough for the last few years. Um, I don't want to be part of uh, a, um, a or be like the. Um, the worst of the uh, what a Karen archetype that was sort of baying for blood of people who were just saying, "Hang on, something, something's not smelling right." And I'm I'm not comfortable with that position right now. And and I, again, I would just say I don't. The average man on the street who was forced into 
decisions that they probably would rather not have taken where their job's not on the line. It's not um, it's not those that we need to be rounding up, but there's for sure we can't just drop um, any any momentum we have towards holding people to account for what's transpired over the over the last few years. And, and you know, I get well, that, that. So I listened to that show and and here's my thought on that. My thought was, you know what? Like if, if I if Joe if I was talking to Joe Rogan, like hopefully I do someday in the near future. Because I will fucking end this. Um but but I'll be honest. <clears throat> Joe Rogan has done enough. Okay. Now, the truth is, is that we need Joe Rogan. We need anything that he can give us. But at the same time, Joe Rogan, just because he was able to do some things, that doesn't mean that he's a leader and that he wants to be a leader. I mean, he's already sacrificed a lot more than people have. I mean, he's got a lot more to sacrifice, but, but, but he's, people have to understand, this is why. <laughs> leadership matters, okay? Because not everybody. Leadership requires sacrifice. Now, there are times when people all have to sacrifice. But leadership requires you to do it because it needs to be done, not because like somebody else forces you to. Okay? And so at this because so yes, we need his help, but that doesn't mean we need him to be the leader, okay? And this has been the problem with all those scientists. They don't get it because they're willing to place other priorities above the one that matters most. They're not willing to sacrifice whatever it takes to achieve it. And what that means is that if we follow them, we will get to some halfway place that is not a victory. And this is too important. And, and I mean, I've said this for three years, but I, I'm going to keep saying it because it is true. And I don't care how long it takes. It, this, is, this isn't about me being a leader or somebody else being a leader. People need to understand that, you know, Brett Weinstein, he's, he's helping the cause, okay? And Robert Malone, he, he's helping the cause mostly. But the reason why they get distracted, the reason why... People at JC get distracted, or all sorts of people. It's not because they're failures. It's not because they don't get it. It's because it takes, you have to be willing to set everything else aside. And that includes everything of yours. Because that is how far the people that we're fighting are willing to go. They're willing to allow millions of people to die and gaslight them. So if you think that you can. You can go up there and, you know, talk about psychology and mass formation, and you're going you're gonna to win the argument against people who are willing to... Who don't, think twice, who don't think twice, Charles, about um, taking a swing at kids, right? That's, that's the... Right, the, the <laughs> they are evil. They yeah, are the evil depravity. Because, and if it's e they're either evil because they're evil or they're evil because they're pussies. But it doesn't matter because the result is the same. Because if you're if you're a pussy and you allow evil and you enable it, 
then there's no difference because at the end of the day, that kid is gone or, you know, that 26 year old maid of honor is gone. It didn't have to be. And so that's what people have to come to accept. And I, I, I don't, I don't care who it is, but they need to hear it because they need to understand that if they're going to, if they're going to bitch and complain that that somebody doesn't like their ideas. I don't care. I don't like the idea of millions of people dying and then getting away with it. Well, and a, a, a rinse and repeat cycle of forever wars and um, the worst excesses of, well, I don't know, uh, a fiat currency system that forever seems to um, impoverish uh, more than it seems to enrich. And I'm, well, you know, I've, I began streaming today at, at, at this pos position <laughs> of, uh, that they're, they're, they're escalating everything. It's it that the, as each day passes and each data point is aggregated, the, the premise that they're, they're engaged in a asymmetric war for full spectrum dominance um it's, it becomes more and more apparent and well they, have, they have no choice they don't want now they're rich and they have stocks and so they don't want them to be cut in half or in three quarters or whatever but they can also overcome that because they can just create the next currency um but at the end of the day they're pussies and and they don't want to go further than they have to because it's uncomfortable. And trust me, pussies are not leaders, so they're not made to persevere. So, and the general set the, and the lines on the map move from side to side. Unfortunately, pussies sit in the general's tent uh, sometimes. <laughs> well, they do. And, and I, think that, I think that we give them too much credit that they're forcing the issue. I, I think that they... They have no idea what to do except to try to maintain control. And if that means to make things crazy, to them, that's like the logical answer. And so what we need to do is we need to, we need to get a voice to a wide enough group of people to say, fuck all of this, okay? Do you care about, do you care about the people that you know that have died? Do you care about the fact that they were murdered, whether directly or indirectly? Do you care that this will never stop unless, unless we say no? And the, and the truth is, is that people will respond to that. The problem is that there's no one with the balls to say it. Well, or, or the people that are, be, are positioned right now trying to say it are, um, they're not relaying the full picture. Well, they, and they also, they are afraid. And, and, and people need to understand that I'm afraid, okay? <laughs> I'm afraid. I'm afraid for myself. I'm afraid for my family. Um, but fear, <clears throat> fear is there. 
and, and you can either accept right, it. Do I need to play the Bill Paxton clip from Tomorrow Tomorrow Never Comes? Was that what's that movie called with Tom Cruise? Uh, I, I don't have you seen that? I one? haven't seen it, so yeah. <laughs> I always play that. I make my own motor speeches. So, you, know. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> you need to steal a uh, line from that. <laughs> well, I mean, the bottom line is, is that um, people need to be afraid. They really do, because um, this is disgusting. But we're not fighting against. Uh, we're not fighting against Alexander the Great or Caesar. Okay, these aren't tactical geniuses who inspire men to follow them. These are disgusting, spineless weasels who control people through wealth and driving propaganda. others into poverty and, and propaganda. You know, so, and, and you're seeing the result of everybody in other places starting to realize this. But, you know, if people have to hear the truth, people respond to the truth, but they have to hear it. If they do not hear it, then they, they don't know. But when they do hear it, it's an, it's an instinctual thing. It's why it was so refreshing when, you know, Robert Malone was on Joe Rogan and 70 million people went and listened to it. I, I, as soon as I knew there was, he was on air, I didn't even like Robert Malone, but I knew that he was going to say things that needed to be said. And so within 24 hours, I'd already listened to that episode. Okay. And 70 mi million people, I, I say it all the time, 70 million plus the 50 from Peter McCullough in two appearances over a six-week span, that was more than the 100, there was 120 million. There were 115 million that watched the Super Bowl that year, okay? So people are desperate for the truth. They don't care if fucking Ron DeSantis says it. They don't care if Joe Rogan says it. They don't care. But, we, but at the same time, that Robert Malone needs to understand that if people start paying attention to him, that doesn't mean that he's figured it out and he's the second coming of Jesus, okay? That means that, yeah, sure, he has a responsibility to not fuck it up, but um, he also needs to know when he's not, when he when it's not his job to do. And I, he's a scientist, so of course he doesn't know that. Well, there's the ego um, trap, and he's the well. I, I, I don't know. I think um, was it. Keck, Doc Keck said that he's, you know, he's wanting, he's kind of wanting the fame for the RNA and the, but also sort of cut responsibility. He, he wants to be the, he wants to be the guy who, he was super smart and then he, he goes and fixes his mistake and, and wins redemption. Okay, congratulations. But I don't, I don't really want this to be like a biblical story of redemption because it's not about him and i mean he's not the one and i know that there sometimes when people over the course of the last 20 years have 
who who meet me and sometimes their first impression is oh, okay well he's cocky or he's uh wow he's really confident or he's really confident about his ideas or or whatever and and um competence comes from or i'm sorry confidence comes from competence real confidence that is so yes yes i have i've been in situations where i had to make hard decisions and i've made them and i've made people's lives better and sometimes i've made them worse but but i've been there and i've done things and you know when you talk about the brain you know what the fuck you're talking about you know you don't stutter you know when nick talks about well, monkeys and HIV and shit. He, he, he understands that. Yeah, he's got that bit down, right? Um, right, and and you know, I, I, I wasn't super confident about talking about any of this crap at first because I didn't know shit. And so I, I know that scientists sometimes hear me, and I make mistakes, of course. But they, they think, wow, this guy, you know, he, he seems pretty confident about that that idea that he has. Well, you know what? Probably because I've read more than you. Okay. I've read 3,000 papers and I've listed them out for you. So, if so, yes. And that's, that's not because I'm cocky, it's because I want people to stop dying. Because, because some scientists made stupid fucking decisions. And you know what? I want it bad enough that I will do whatever it takes. Well, the issue is it's not just it's not just scientists, and it's this, um, it, it's those I don't know, the Kissinger types who would who don't think twice about engaging in this asymmetric warfare that they've um, pulled on us, and um, to you know we might we might be sitting talking and you know saying we've got the got the problem solved, but uh, I, I'm, are we going to be able to? convince enough people um are you... well, it doesn't no it doesn't matter because i mean i don't have all the answers but, but see i've never i've never had the time in the platform to say <laughs> things that are already known to people so that they know them i mean i like my ideas were on a glenn beck show that got seen by a lot of people but not Glenn, enough. Glenn Beck took all the credit. <laughs> but it, you know what? It's he, okay. He dipped it in barbecue sauce. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it, because fuck it. It, looked, it pissed me off. It did, okay? But at the end of the day, it was a, it was a damn good show. I got to be honest. And also, at the end of the day, it's, what is my goal? Is my goal to become famous? Or is my goal to to solve this problem and win this fight? And you know, it, it hurt when JC was being deterred, and it hurt when you know Robert Malone didn't call me back. It didn't hurt that much for that. But so you probably dodged a bullet there, bro. <laughs> probably, probably, because um, well, according to what I'm hearing about DC right now, shit's going insane. But but it doesn't matter, okay? I mean, did I want to sell my house? No. 
I had to. I had to. And all of us are going to have to make hard decisions. Yeah, listen up, Lick Spittles. Step into the breach. Sorry, bitches. Sorry, bitches, but there's going to be sacrifice. Now, granted, I, I don't want people to have to sacrifice any more than they absolutely have to. But I want them to do whatever it takes so that they don't end up as WEF slaves. And I don't know what I don't know what that that demarcation line is, but I can tell you that that um, that we're not going to win that by suing each other, and we're not going to win that by by trying to play who's got the biggest dick. You know, when when we're on the front lines, I mean, sure, yeah, Marines like to to compete. I mean, I was a twin before I was a Marine, so and I was the, like the smallest Marine. So it was either be vicious or, or be eaten. So I was just vicious. It's going to be in and my new children's book, The Littlest Marine. <laughs> the Littlest Marine. I mean, actually, I mean, there was midget Marines, like, but I was very thin and, well, but I made it. I mean, I don't know. I thrived in that environment. I had a really good sarcasm and I, I, I could do what needed to be done. And, you know, I've I've tried to keep doing those things, but we're so close. We've we've actually come a long way, and people don't really understand that, and people don't understand that how important the next few months is. But the doctors it seems need like to it's understand. Been, it's been a decade since January twenty twenty two. It seems like we've all we've all I mean, aged, it, it, <laughs> Kevin. It, it, we've been watching you age on camera. Oh yeah, <laughs> we have. But I mean, we're but we're still here. But yep. But at the same time, we could have done so much more. Had people well, not just that, listened that, to the advice. That, there's a Don't be so hard on yourself. There's an issue around you know. This time last year. Um, you know the murmurings about censorship and um you know you, 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 oh you were being paranoid that's just that you know that's not happening but no there there was a concerted effort from the very top of these bureaucracies to like i said stifle um actual scientific study and uh discussion it it was uh very premeditated um i, I Again, I don't know how much of that was a, a a degree of hubris that allowed them to think that they could get away with that. But the, the, the disturbing thing is, is that all that apparatus was in place and it took that wasn't something that was just signed as an executive order a few weeks before. This was it was years and years in the making. And. um yeah, I, I think and they that, had a they had a filmed dress rehearsal of it months before. Yeah, that's true. I'll give them credit for for their arrogance, but it, they they want it to be out in in front. Yeah, it's got to be it. They they really enjoy. There's something that I heard that sounded spooky. Something about I don't know uh, secret societies, things like that, and that they really need it to be out in the open. Because if if people accept it when it's right there in front of them, then the perpetrator is absolved of karma and guilt. 
because they had every opportunity to see for themselves and they did it anyway. You know, that's that's something I saw. It could have been in the raccoon bunker. Probably, probably. was. Well, I mean, it's, it's it's this idea that you've given um, it, the fact that you haven't objected is a is a tacit um, consent. And, mm-hmm. and and with that, they they move, you know, inch by inch, uh, slice by slice. Uh, towards their goal, and um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that they were expecting the um, the pushback that they did get. I, I I honestly think I don't think we should be seeing Robert Malone, right? And th- this was this was something that Mark said. Um, had 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 there not been a sort of stubborn and resilient core pointing out the the holes in in their narrative um we could have been a a digital gulag locked and um bolted and whatever comes next soylent green um but um we we, i i think people should take um take the win that we got and you know these are um this is history in in the making and um we can there's still moves to make right and so keep 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 making them i mean look if if they if being on tv if we do it out in the open makes it okay then i would love to go to Davos right now is walk up to Klaus and kick him in the dick. Apparently he's not there, yeah. right? Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, you know. Sick. <laughs> I hope it's so. on the chart. His dick isn't there or he's not there. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> well, um, he is. I mean, and I think that the reason why I make memes in the midst of you know the, the serious things I try to do is because these people deserve much worse than that. They don't they don't even deserve my good memes. But but other people like everybody else needs to see that they deserve to be made fun of. Yeah. Because the, they are ridiculous. The, this this has always been my position though, that there's no that, you're not having a scientific discussion with these people that have that built this censorship apparatus, right? There's no there's no um, common ground on which on which to be having a, a intellectual back and forth. That was obvious from very early on, and eh, you know people are sort of getting wind of that right now, and you know if it's. Um, it's a, island news in the chat saying i don't we're having to watch a brainwashed family die off um maybe maybe that's what it takes to shock people out of the the trance but the um it, it it's still a um well, I don't want to say it could be worse. It can always be worse. But um, 
yeah, there's a, there's, well, as Charles said, you're going to have to sacrifice, and there, there's there'll be pain along the way, and um, there's still a long way to go, and you just yeah, crack on, keep doing it. I try and sit here most days, um, pointing it out, and you know the 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 thing like the the spaces today. Okay, we saw it. Um, the the scope needs uh, tweaking somewhat, so it hits the hits the target more. But I I would take uh, the wind that you, you know you've got uh, a bunch of it. Well, you have more whistleblowers there, um, Charles. Yep. Uh, the I, I remember the the complaint. Air Force guy. Yeah. yeah. And you know no, he, should, I, he should have got more traction at the time, um, but the, well, and he didn't know he didn't know who I was, and he didn't know that that I've been working behind the scenes. I mean, it's not like the main thing I've been doing, but that's that's those are fights that I'm fighting in, and I think that ironically, I, I know it sounds dumb because I have the most followers, but once again, I didn't. I didn't seek that out. So maybe it's because they like the fact that I'm that I don't quit and you know, I'm willing to punch people in the mouth or and I, I actually find occasional pieces of things that are important or whatever. I don't know. But maybe I'm just sexy. I, I don't know. But all of the above, that, bro. All of the above. If he isn't sexiest man of the war, of the year this year on, uh, I don't know what 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 cover is that? Time, Charles. Time is oh, not the time doesn't do sexiest man no, of the year. I think that's it's something people. like I think that's like people. people. Yeah, <laughs> Time magazine. I can tell you of the things that I would rather be and do is a pretty long list, but and, but what I have to do, I I have to be assertive because. Because I've realized that that I can't wait around forever. Oh, we're running out of time, and the things the things that I that I know I know are important because because it was other people who told me that they were important, and either all of them are wrong, or I, I'm kind of on the right track and. I, I know it, it sounds strange, but I have to be more assertive. And all these doctors and everybody, God love them, but they need help. And I mean, there's people better than me, but I don't see them either. So, you know, we got to do what we got to do. Yeah, so the conspicuous in their absence right now. Yeah, well, whatever we can do, you know. They may well, not have applied themselves academically, it. Charles. They may not just have the chops. And you, if you feel like that you're wading into a mud fight and you're, you get in there and you're not really able to grapple, um, there's a lot of folks that avoid that. So I'm, I'm, you guys, I, uh, when, when AIDS was happening, uh, totally different situation, I think. Uh, they did try to take away our world. They tried to take away housing. They tried to allow anybody that wanted to, to just destroy someone's life because they were found out to be HIV positive and gay. 
And um, I don't know if any, you know, beyond the biological pinnings that we've talked about, I don't know if the same people were really administering that, that are in charge of this. This is a totally different scale. But I would say that, like that Kevin said, we, we have come a long way. And there's only so much that we can influence and affect at any one point in time. We're not going to suddenly have our hammer and and go pink in the dam and just it's going to break. Um, I mean, it's it's been happening in bits and pieces very recently as far as the ability to even have the conversations on Twitter being a major landmark. So I think that we can we can continue in in our own spaces, kind of like in a blockchain. We do. We all have different levels and areas of expertise, different ways of bringing the message, and we keep pushing and uh, connecting with people and uh, bringing larger and larger circles of people together. And, uh, you know, I, I, the whole, we've got to hurry, we've got to hurry that that's because the world is on fire. You know, there's, there's, we're going to, we're going to wear ourselves out. If we stay in that distressed anxiety, emergency state, we have to, we have to learn how to rest. So. Anyway. That is true. But you also have to understand that I spent a career um, where we trained very hard and we, we, we went through things. So that way, when moments came where you had to persevere, you'd be able to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's, I think sometimes people get this idea that, well, he's just crazy. He's going to drive himself to death. Well, maybe yes, it's possible. But I, I don't think people really understand that I don't care <laughs> because 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 I because I, I I know what's at stake and I know what I can give and I know that I have to give what I can and I think I, well people there's something in the chat this guy says. They use Rixi in the same way that they use uh, Yuval Harari. The goal, expose point, the 0.01% of the conscious population and eliminate it. And yes, I would say that that is certainly a tactic that they would use. But what I want you to understand is that that doesn't matter, okay? People are going to do what they're going to do because it's tactics. But I know that it doesn't matter <laughs> because I can either do something or I can do nothing. And if I do nothing, I'm guaranteed to fail. But the, and the problem is, is that there's not enough people willing to stand up. You know, in Nazi Germany, there, there, were, there were people, like I can't remember his name now, but there's a... Who Goebbels, the it, propaganda king? No, not Goebbels. He was a good guy. He was a it was a, a Catholic priest. Uh, I know who you're on about. Yeah, God, I, I can't remember his name at the moment. But, yeah. but yes, it was him, and he was willing to stand up and say, "No, this shit is wrong." Okay, and he didn't change everything by himself. But it doesn't matter because you, when you stand up and other people see you, they see you. And then some of them be become willing 
to do what you're doing. And then <clears throat> the, the, uh, the perfect example of this is that is the reason why Marines became famous in the first place. Because you know, before World War One, we were just we were just nobodies. But but after three and a half years, or yeah, about three, three and a half years, the, the Marines showed up with, with with the rest of American troops. We'd entered the war, and the Germans pushed to like 40 miles outside of Paris to a place called Bella Wood. And the They'd set up in the trees across like a thousand yard field, dug in trenches, and then they sat there. And as, as uh, you know, as Kevin can tell you, this is, you know, this is what we're trying to avoid now. Okay. And in three and a half years, whenever this trench warfare would break down, the only way, like, it, it just bogged down and didn't go anywhere. Like, people, they would fight over every inch of territory in no man's land. Like they would push forward a couple of miles, they'd break through and they'd get pushed back. And so... <laughs> there was, so you have to be, so you have to be Johnny Appleseed as you do it. No, as you, have, you have, as you do the skirmishes, <laughs> as you do the operations, you leave behind data that leaves people the capacity to convert on their own uh, to examine well, yeah, for themselves kind, kind, kind what of they, kind of well i mean not, if it doesn't boil down to actual truth to quantitative truth then what are we doing well right but see you know if you do things long enough you do you have pretty good instincts about what's ahead of you so i'm not worried about that because i don't have to have all the answers but it's it's important True. that i be that I'd be moving forward because people need no, to no, see no, that. True. No, you're right. I, I'm, I'm not saying that it, we owe we owe the whole thing unfurled down to the microscopic level end to end. That's going to take a long time. But the the critical components that will begin someone on a path to uh, questioning the narrative, going back <laughs> and looking something up that's easily you know externally verifiable, that kind of behavior is what we're hoping to instigate. So that's what I'm saying is. Right, bits right. and pieces that are dropped in these conversations, the papers here and there that we review and post. People people are not gathering together these massive uh, libraries like we have, you know, like the obsessive inner group. We have to decide what to parse out, but it is important to empower people with the same evidence that we are, you know, maintain our arguments based on. We have to we have yeah. to share it and open source it. And um, I like the things that I see happening with teams that are you know opening up their whole oh like here here's my one drive and they're sharing thousands of, of documents <laughs> we all still have okay, a okay. ton well, of work well, to do to get i'm to using get more I mean, i'm using more inspirational analogy though <laughs> okay I mean, okay not that i don't like microsoft teams but um, um <laughs> so so, but, but, so let's, let's 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 think about this field okay and you have a couple thousand troops mm. and it, and you have the Germans in the trees, and in three and a half years, the same thing always happens, where they just they get mowed down and they die. So, what they did, and at, people people don't know this, but my great grandfather fought in uh, <laughs> in France, 
And then all three of his sons fought in different islands in the Pacific, uh, including my grandfather. So, so like, the stories are kind of real for me. And in fact, the, the one thing that my great-grandfather said was that really only the skill that Rixie's had is that we're lucky. It's not that <laughs> or anything else, but we're lucky. And he was kind of fit in. Um, it's nothing to diminish. You're here. And I saw your family picture and it's, it's always yeah. nice to hear about this, this history. Yeah. So, I mean, like, so, but there's this field and they had a regiment and I forget, I don't, I think at the time I was, I meant like 4,000, if I remember correctly, maybe it was 2,500. Anyway. And so, but this was important because the Germans were pressing on, and this was 1917, well, until I might have been a little bit later than that. But, well, the bottom line is that it was bad. It had been going bad for France. And they needed to, to stop them. And so these Marines got up. They charged across the field. And I want to say that 2,000 of them fell down. Not all of them died, but... There are 2,000 casualties-ish. And they, they kept going because there was a couple of people, I mean, I know their names, but it's not really important, but there was a couple of, of Marines, of, of leaders, who kept you know, having them go, and they'd move forward a little bit, and then they'd stop and then go. And so even though they lost half of the regiment, which is the bloodiest day of any Marine unit in history until uh, Tarawa, which my, <laughs> my, my uncle was number two in charge of that operation. Um, but they, there wasn't anything special about them. And I, I think that's what a lot of people don't, like people get wrapped up in, in okay, well, I, I don't have this skill, or I don't have that skill, or I don't have, I can't do this, or I'm not a scientist, or whatever. But uh, all these people did was keep running towards machine gun fire, and they, and they did it because they saw somebody who was willing to do it, and that was the only difference between. Because there was always a point in the three and a half years previous where whether it was English or French or German or whatever, at some point it would stop. And, and they wouldn't make it any further. And as a consequence, I mean, that was the bloodiest. I mean, they took more losses than any other unit, American unit during that war, and we were only there for a year. But they broke through the line. And so when that happened, and it had never really happened up to that point, uh, the Germans didn't know what to do. And so like, they, they nicknamed them Devil Dogs. And so that's how we got that name. Because they just kept fucking coming. They wouldn't stop. And uh, i got to be honest. That, like, it's, it's not like a secret. <laughs> Well, I, I, I would, I would just say, yeah. 
what, what, what we're doing now is uh, infinitely uh, more <laughs> easy. Than... Right. Okay. So yeah, we're not doing that. But the point is, but the point is, is that people are afraid. Okay, and we don't know what's going to happen, and we don't know. What's, and every time we stand up, someone gets taken out, and and we're frustrated, and we're tired of our freedoms being violated. We're tired of bullshit happening, and nobody's standing up and doing it. And you know what? It sucks. It sucks. But if we don't do it, no one will. And, and maybe someone will. I don't know. Maybe there are other people out there. But if I wait until somebody else comes, it might be too late. And, I mean, they might still be fighting World War One if... You know, if the Marines didn't land and just have 2,000 of them become casualties in about 45 minutes. But, <laughs> but they made it across the field. And ever since then, I mean, I was in Iraq in 2005. We rotated, we took over an area that had been an army unit. And the number of incidents that occurred in the six months that followed were cut in half. Why? Because the insurgents knew that when the Marines came, that if you fucked with them, they would fuck you back. So, right, and, and they mean it because they <laughs> used to read intel reports and they contact and they'd be like, you know, army kills a couple guys and they shoot 20 bullets. And I, I remember seeing one in particular where <laughs> there's, there's a Humvee with a 50 cal, or it was maybe, I guess, a 249. And this, this Humvee, it was, it was kind of part of a convoy, it saw a, an Isuzu truck with three military age males in it with some rifles. Like, <laughs> Kind of driving towards them, and uh, and they shot more than three hundred rounds and a tow missile, and and don't and they killed all three of them. So I mean, they succeed. So Marines are wasteful with their ammo. Yeah, get, get some discipline in the ranks. <laughs> well, you know, you, Kevin, did yeah, you yeah, calculate yeah. that ratio really quickly? There? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, bullets I mean, to kills. Yeah. yeah, sorry. It wasn't always like that. But, but the point is, is that they knew. Like, they knew because the difference in the uniforms that if they, want, if they were going to fuck with us, they had to really, really want to fuck with us. Okay. And, and yeah, so, so we don't have the luxury of that here. Okay. These people don't give a fuck about us. In fact, they want to marginalize us. They want to do everything they can. And so, you know what? I don't care. Yes, of course they want to expose the people who are actually willing to stand up and fight against them because they're dangerous. But you know why? It's because they're willing to stand up and do it. And the only way that other people are going to stand up and have the balls to do anything, if they're not the ones doing it themselves, 
they only learn how to do it, they're encouraged to do it when they see somebody else willing to do it. It's the only way. And at, at this stage, folks, it just literally, it's just non-compliance, right? A mass non-compliance with uh, what, what they're trying to roll out on you. Um, yeah, just, just refuse. Hmm. It's time to stand up. Whatever that means to you, whatever it takes for you, just, I mean, know that you're not doing it alone. Charles, do you feel, do you feel a targeted focus on the WEF folks? Because we've got over in the way, I mean, I mean, as say, for example, um, uh, just getting in the middle of their campaigns, their legislation, their bills, is that a space where you feel um, a particular focus needs to be maintained? Extra pressure? Um, Governor Newsom, Governor Inslee, uh, Premier. I mean, people, wherever you are, whatever you see, um, you know better than I do. Like, like what's, what's the thing that you can do to contribute? I mean, you know, for me, I know that right now where I'm at, there's nothing that I, else I could be doing that's better than this, mm-hmm. just based on, you know, I, I have this experience, I've done this now, so this is where I need to be. I, there's nothing else I could be doing to be a better father to my children than to be fighting this. So, mm-hmm. whatever that is for you or for anybody else, you'll know. You, you, you'll be able to figure out some way. Um, the reason so... I ask is my gut. My gut says I'm very concerned about their role in. Um, the superstructure of what appears to be a coordinated transnational operation, deployment, whatever this is. Well, you're probably not wrong. Trust your gut. I mean, look, I trust my gut. And people call me fucking stupid. They're like, what are you doing? You're not a scientist. You have no idea what you're doing. So... Okay. Oh, I saw. I I really have loved your work, and and the only thing I complained about to Kevin was uh, recently was I just I I wanted to pull you away from all of the Wuhan individual, you know, your your geo plotting, and you know, put you more in towards the laboratory stuff and and back say in the last twenty years of the literature, and you've gone there yourself, you know. But well, yeah, I, yeah, and it sucks because I wish I was, I wish I was more people. I would, yeah, but but you know, it, <laughs> it is what it is, and I, I I hate it because I have to I have to use my judgment, knowing that. I mean, all of us are stumbling around in the dark, and then none of us have all answers, and so I just try to do the best that I can. Wherever I am, right, and, and, the, the, the and, evidence. and that's why I realize that now that I have to be here doing this because this is, this this is the priority and it has to be the priority now. And, so. and the data is accruing to what your where your aims were going, where your hunch was taking you, right? And it wasn't it wasn't a, a wasted 
mission. You, you've you've got the data. You've you've put it into a format that's um, accessible. Again, if you haven't read Charles Watchmaker uh, series, you should. It's a concise summary of all, all the evidence, and and I guess there's a whole bunch more. There's a a follow-on that Charles will let go in the coming days, and yeah, that's what I'm working on. And yeah, just um, that's everyone. Everyone doing their little bit right now that sort of uh, enables that. And I would, I would say, sort of you know, having met with Charles and spent time with him, that you know, this uh, do, just being able to do this to talk it through and um, it, it counts for a lot. And you know, uh, people in the chat. Um, thank you for sort of being there and uh, well, I, I, you know, moral support. It's it's important, and um, you know, there's a I won't say light at the end of the tunnel just yet, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, we're not we're not in the dark like we were a year ago. The, the the environment is radically different now i would i would just add um it's it veering towards a little bit um unpredictably or potentially unpredictably dangerous but um we are uh we can be prepped and ready uh for whatever's coming next and um I think speaking of, I just I just uh, linked to the video I think that you were looking for. It's a '97 video. No, I know, um, I know this one. It it was in 2000. It was just before 9/11. Okay. And... Well, then there's more than one. Let's see. There's. Oh yeah, here we go. I think this might be it too. Uh, alive today. Air Force Air War College around 2000. So I'll just send you all these, and we'll see what happens. Mm. I mean, yeah, I know, so one of the one of these will be it. I know, I, I know, had it, but you know, got sort of. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to wrap up because of the kids. But um, you know, in in that video that I'm describing, where the the defector is, um, well, the questions put to the guy who's defecting were, are you are you splicing in? neurotoxins from uh, uh well the, the question funnily enough was um snake venoms and in in his reply he he alludes to that they tried with the snail toxins and it, right. it it wasn't it wasn't that uh well he claims it wasn't that successful um <laughs> sars sars begs to disagree but the um Well, I guess the point I want to get to is that that was over 20 years ago and leading up to that 20 years was decades and decades of this type of nefarious bullshit research uh, that's uh, dragged us to this point. And if we can, if we're able to climb out of the 
metaphysical trench that they've dragged us into and move move across and make progress that is something that can you know take uh i don't know solace comfort um drive uh all those things and um keep going that's what i would say to everyone just keep crack on be the the phrase from just, down my way just wake up every day uh with the goal pissing off the left as much as possible can. um yeah i just I, I i just i'm concerned it's not as simple as the WEF. that's my it's uh, probably not i mean that's not who i focus on but but you have to you have to search somewhere mm. And, yeah, uh, it's, it, that's an easy one for people to wrap their heads around, right? Because it's it's so in your face. So there you go. Um, th- th- pick at that. Get to the get to the Epstein links. Get to you know find find out that there's no good institutes left. <laughs> what is it you said to me the other day? We're the cavalry, right? That's uh, I, I was like, where's the cavalry? And you said we're it. Yeah. <laughs> I would rather be the cavalry than. Uh, well, it's it's better to feel that you're you're doing something, right? Rather rather than just being on the receiving end of what's a a, a, a torrent of shit rolling downhill, um, and the well, sluice gates. Yeah, and... I mean, some people some people do prefer that, but you know, I think that. Um, I mean, you wouldn't have been, you wouldn't have been seen as a good Roman if, if you were. But, but yeah, I mean, if I refuse to die, um, I refuse to let anything happen to my kids, and sit here and say, okay, well, is there something else I could have done? That is there anything else I could have done? Was there another documentary on Netflix I could have watched that would have helped figure this all out? It's true, you know? that is true. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> or whatever it is, you know, it may not be the sexiest thing on the planet, but um... no, and and we all need our brain breaks. So uh, definitely, we need our we need our tube here and there. But I mean, it's it's, I guess it's no lifestyle. You weren't there earlier. You were there earlier, Nick. But I I switched because I had like this little cabin condo thing and. Uh, the reason why I was in my car earlier is because, well, and you weren't there, but is because I was, I had to wait to get into the hotel here, but I, I had to wait until the end of this conversation to start the jacuzzi tub. It's all to myself in this King suite. Um, that sounds nicer seeing... than the suite that you and Kevin were transmitting from when you were on the road together. You didn't you have the you didn't get the jacuzzi, did you, Kevin? No, it wasn't a bad true. room. It was all right. Okay. No, it, it was good digs, but but I could get it for you know like seventy two bucks a night. Here it was a pretty good deal. So. Oh, sweet. Yeah, you know, Gallenberg is stupid expensive, but there's a lot of shitty hotels with. So I mean, it's a crappy hotel, but it has a jacuzzi. So I'm just going to sit in it probably for three days, <laughs> and do nothing but and do nothing but add more fucking links to Zotero. Uh, and then uh, Rick, yeah, so keep. Keep adding to your Zotero. There's an infinity of space. As long as you don't include your full text uploads and don't add the PDFs, you can fit a million in citations in your library. Okay. Well, um, I'm literally, I'm literally just um, 
right now I'm putting them in there because there's about 550 to 600 that are going to be uh, that I need to be able to automatically put into a bibliography or at least much faster. So, mm-hmm. um, Hey, one of these times I'm going to do a demo and I'll ask you and whoever mm-hmm. Doc Keck probably knows tools like this. He can probably up our, up our game, uh, karma doc. And we'll play with a tool that I got from a university in the Netherlands. And it lets you do bibliometric network diagrams, associative diagrams. Ooh, so you take your, your abstract, you take the scientist names, you take the institutions, whatever data you propagate, right? It can be sometimes you get an ex- a citation off of a site and there's six fields. And sometimes it's got the entire abstract and that's 500 words. And, you know, it's got every single bit of data, but you, you take your data set, you export it, and then you can model it and pivot it with relational diagrams and heat mapping diagrams. So we'll, we'll fiddle with that, like in the raccoon cave, or we could do a live stream and just play with, you know, some data sets together. Um, Kevin, um, thank you very much for having us on. Really appreciate it. We know you got daddy duty going, so let's get you, (laughs) let's get you to it. Um, Mummy is home as well today, but I can oh, hear. Mommy. I can hear. Uh, some... Well, you didn't sleep, did you? you no, just... no, I've been up all, uh, up all night. But yeah, so yeah, you should. Oh, well, this. <laughs> but go, go do something. Yeah, I've got a fixed PC as well. Uh, but the uh, like, I say I think the take home from today is uh, get. Let, let's quickly spin up our own space, and um, you know, Twitter. Twitter is a different venue to be talking about this and you know hopefully we can drag a a few more people in maybe maybe if we can pull andrew over that would be great and uh his uh uh, mentor would be would be kind of cool um we can attract uh the guy that the whistleblower as well um you know i think that i think there's a lot to dig out about the mechanisms of this um this type of warfare that people need to understand. Um, got to understand white man's boomstick, right? Well, what about what about leveraging uh, all of the kids out there that have podcasts and have them host the space, and we be the co-hosts? And then there's another extra layer of being able to maintain the narrative, not dependent upon Charles' account or your account or my account. Um, what if we shifted it around and we were, you know, the traveling Wilburys? Just a thought. I, I don't mind what, whatever's the uh, um, quickest way out to uh, spread the word. Um, you know, I just, you know, the, me- the the mechanisms need to be laid out and, um, you know, people, people get the vaccine now, I think, or should do. Um, Start wrapping your head around the um, the nitty gritty details. Um, that's important. All right, gents. Um, thank you very much, Charles. Enjoy the uh, <laughs> the jacuzzi, the bubbly. I will. I'm, I'm looking quite forward to. <laughs> <sighs> okay. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Yeah. Play easy. Cheers. All right, folks. God, that was long, uh, but uh, interesting. Um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, be uh, be good to each other, and 
Uh, all right, we'll see you in the next one. Take care. God bless. Oh, I'm not even on the screen. Never mind. Ladies. Bro, you don't know how angry I am. You do, I'm like, I was just leaving for fucking work. You do not understand how fucking pissed off. After reading that little line, I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. Fuck these papers. I will fucking kill each fucking kappa. I swear. This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they're actually saying. Fuck these kappas. No fucking vaccine or MRA or ever flows through my fucking blood blood. Never. I will fucking die. Fucking fighting for my fucking bees and my fucking forefathers and my fucking lineage. Fuck these motherfuckers! All them five. Like this guy. Sim tech forty five thousand. Fuck this! Let up! 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 Let up!